The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. So this dude right here is Travis Walton, and he is one of the most famous UFO abduction, I don't know if you want to say victim, guys with a story, Right. and he gave me a bobblehead. Hey, awesome. You ever see that movie, what was the movie called? Fire in the Sky. Fire in the Sky. Yes. Yeah, that's about him. In the 19, oh, it's about him. Yes. In the 1970s, he was a logger in Arizona, and they saw this light in the sky. It came down. They went to see what it was. It was his craft, and he was a young, you know, according to him, just kind of a knucklehead, and he got a little close to it. That's the movie. And he got close to it, and when he got close to it, uh, supposedly, according to him, some burst of energy came from the thing and knocked him back, knocked him unconscious. All his friends took off. They're, they panicked, including one guy who hated him, one guy who actually got into a fist fight with him that day. So it's not like these are his friends that he like had this coordinated right. story with. Um, they, they took off. They were freaking out. And then they came to their senses like, we got to go back. We can't leave him there. They went back. He was gone. And he was gone for five days. I believe it was five days. I've always been fascinated with UFO shit. But I feel like so many people lie and it makes it so hard. Like, I literally lied about when yeah. I was a kid. I remember yeah. like being in the car <laughs> and like I was probably eight or nine and I was like, I should just tell people I saw a UFO. So yeah. I said to my mom, I saw a UFO as we're driving. And then that was my story for years until I was like 13. Yeah, it's it gets you extra attention. That's the problem with fantastical tales, whether it's ghosts or psychics or any of that stuff. I was going to say psychics. Same yeah. with psychics. It makes you special. makes yeah. you a guru. I have a buddy of mine who fucking full on believes in psychics. He's like, bro, the psychic knew all about my grandmother. And I go, don't you know about your grandmother? I go, you know (laughs) about your grandmother, right? I go, so what the fuck? Tell this person to tell you some shit you don't know. Right. So that's my mom. So my mom, as long as I've been alive, has been super into mediums, psychics, Mm. had them around. And like, I've always just felt like that shit was bullshit because they would tell her things that I just knew weren't true. So like when my dad died, she sought out this medium who claimed to connect with him. And the medium wrote her a letter that was things from my dad that he was saying to her from beyond, right? And like- what kind of stuff? That's the thing. It was nothing he would have ever said. It was like, I don't remember. It was just some fluffy bullshit. My dad was not a fluffy person. And it was like, (laughs) this bitch is lying to you, but it's disrespectful. It's crazy. Maybe he got fluffy once he died. I mean, released from all of his spiritual, you know, boundaries, the the things that are tying him down, all the the human body problems. Maybe. I guess he became a sissy after he died or something. And then I became a sissy after he died. (laughs) Do you uh, think that one of these things, this is uh, Travis Walton's aliens, do you think that this. This is the thing, the problem that I have with these little aliens is that they make sense. It's like, this is, this is what we're going to look like one day. You actually see humanity slowly morphing yeah. into this. Everyone's becoming a little more feminized. Everyone's yeah. becoming a little smaller. Yeah. And I think our heads are getting bigger. They definitely are from the time when we were lower primates. And yeah. I think that if they can figure out a way to replace breeding, right? Like part of the problem that people have is the instinct to breed. And that, like we have the same, the same biological impulses that animals that can't talk have, right? The, the, the idea is to protect your young, to make sure that you can pass on your genes, to defend your territory against intruders. That's the right. same, same instincts that chimps have, but yet we have nuclear weapons and cell phones. Yeah, when, when you look at you know, little aliens like that, it's like you have this almost like inner feeling like, yeah, that makes sense. 
I that makes sense. It does. I and think... then you see ancient like archaeological drawings and art, and it's like, why have they just kind of always been around? I don't know. Yeah, but that image has always been around. Yeah, I, be I believe in them more than I believe in psychics. I'll say that. I don't necessarily not believe in psychics, but I don't believe the ones that are getting paid that have like a neon sign outside their house. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and and but that's what's like even more unbelievable is that people would believe it. Like, well, the crazy thing is, imagine if it was true. If like that was the best psychic, there was actually just a person that had a house, <laughs> and they didn't care if you believe them or not believe them. Yeah. But you go in there. I mean, that would be like a Stephen King movie, right? You go in there and they really do know some things they touch your hand and they really can see your past and see your future and see where Palm you're going reading. yeah yeah i don't know i've always avoided that shit because i actually talked to a psychic on my youtube channel and she told me i was gonna get pregnant so <laughs> it's not gonna happen lol <laughs> right i was like this bitch get the fuck out of my house for the house call too but who knows maybe in like fucking 20 years it no, might no, be no, a no, thing no. no 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 even if it's a thing i'm not opting for it because that baby's uh. coming out fucked up <laughs> that baby's coming out you with... say that now but with CRISPR, and i think that there's going to come a time where like if someone is trans that you are going to be able to opt for a procedure that will switch you chromosomes switch yeah. you to a double x or switch you to an xy whatever you want i think you're going to be able to completely manipulate bodies Oh, yeah, for sure. That's definitely the trajectory we're on. Yeah. I just don't want to be maybe the first thousand people to do it. No, you don't want to be the first coming million. out with, like, no arm or, right. like, is trans themselves, which is also a fucking or a nightmare. Or psychotic. Yeah, exactly. Imagine the baby comes out with no emotions at all. Or just starts, like, killing you from the inside. Like a shark. Do you know, like, sharks yeah. Sharks will eat their siblings yeah. inside the womb? There's, like, I don't know if it's true. I never even found out if Well, I've heard true. it. So if it's, if it's not right. true, people just say it. Which yeah, but I mean, what I meant was there's like an x-ray of sharks in the womb and they're all like, ah, mouth open, like a bunch of them swimming around together. I'm like, I wonder if that's real or that's horseshit. I never I looked at it. Jamie will find out. I don't know. Whenever I have questions, I don't even bother Googling them. I just wait till I come to work. Exactly. And then I ask Jamie. Exactly. Seems accurate. Does it really? Yeah. Is there an image of it that's real? Oh, well. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, like, you got to get it on tape. That's a different thing. There was an x-ray image of like looked like a womb filled right. with a bunch of sharks floating around in there. Uh, really? Yeah. I think that x-ray image was not real. Well, do sharks, here's the question, do sharks lay eggs like a regular fish? Yeah. Yes. Or do they give birth to fish? Eggs. I'm pretty sure they lay eggs. Yeah. So then it's not possible that it, that they eat each other in the womb because they wouldn't be oh, in the yeah, womb. Oh yeah, in the womb, I'm sorry. So yeah, that's why I, that's why I thought that. So this says uh, they eat, <clears throat> hatched embryos will begin to eat surrounding eggs in some cases, like sand tiger sharks. Oh, that makes sense. But see, I find that so much more interesting than the conversation about aliens is like life underwater and how much we haven't discovered, how much yeah. life just exists here. Like I'm a lot more fascinated with this planet than I am like the universe in some senses. I'm a lot more fascinated with the universe. Yeah. But I'm pretty fascinated with this planet too. It's like, did you see that? I put a, something on my Instagram a couple weeks ago, this thing called a telescope fish that literally can swallow something bigger than itself. Is really? this crazy little demon fish that lives like 5,000 meters below the surface wow. of the water. It's like this crazy deep water fish that has eyeballs that look like binoculars. And this motherfucker swallows, imagine a person smaller than you swallows you. Exactly. Just walks up to you and just goes <laughs> and opens his fucking crazy mouth and yeah. sucks your whole body into it. That's so see if you can find that. That's nuts. Look at this thing. Uh, well I got a video of the shark eating a sibling in the womb. Oh, oh well give me that. Oh, that's good I'm too. trying to figure out what this what's happening. I can't tell what's happening in the video. Oh that can't be real. Right. Well that I looks... mean 
That's in the womb? How's that in the womb? That's what it says, but I don't know that's what, what it God is. God damn it, YouTube. <laughs> I thought those were the greys. looks like the greys. Yeah, that looks like aliens. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's real. Right. All right, I'm going to look up telescope shark. Um, no, it's a telescope fish. fish. It's uh, it's on my Instagram, but there's just a couple of pictures of it. But if you just Google telescope fish, I think it's a fairly recent discovery. Because that's one of the things they say. is like they've only discovered like 10% of the yeah, ocean. Yeah, very small amount. Look at that fucker. Oh, look the, look the at the fact that nightmares. that's real. That Wait, thing, it's kind of cute, though. Look at that. It looks cute. Cute until it swallows you. Right. Look oh, my the, God. Look at the mouth So what happens to its body when it, it just kind of expands? It, uh, yeah, it expands. Uh, well, this one on the left is an art picture. Yeah. But that's not. This is from Smithsonian. So that's, that's a, a real photo. Yeah, wow. that's a real photo. And that one in the middle is a real photo that you had highlighted earlier. Whoa. That's fake. I think that's fake. I don't think really? that looks CGI almost. Yeah, but I think that one up on top is real. The it's kind of cute. In the middle, kind of looks like me in the morning yeah. a little bit. Ah, look at that. I mean, that looks like he's got binoculars. That looks like a Guardians of the Galaxy like alien. One hundred percent. That doesn't look real. But those things live on the bottom of the ocean. That's why it's always so interesting thinking about like underwater life because yeah. these are the aliens that already exist. So you look at a jellyfish, it's like right. that's a fucking alien. Yeah, octopus is a fucking alien. Mm -hmm. You ever see when they change colors and change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're nuts. They're not like anything else on this planet. Mm -hmm. The cephalopods, mm -hmm. they're they're like uh, something from a science fiction movie. They can literally stop on a reef and become the reef, right? And then snatch sharks away. They eat sharks. You ever see that? No, I've never seen an octopus eat a fucking shark. Yeah, they were trying to find That's out. There crazy. was a, an aquarium, and. Um, I forget where the aquarium was, but they were missing sharks. Like, what the fuck's going on? They we're missing sharks. And so they thought, like, someone was breaking into the aquarium and stealing sharks. So they set up these cameras, and they found this octopus who's just, like, what, laying in wait, and then sharks would swim wow. by, and they're like, bitch! And they would See, just I didn't know them. they were even capable of that. That's crazy. They're, they're crazier than that. The female octopuses regularly eat the males. So what the, the female octopuses are matriarchal. They're bigger than the males. And one of the things that they do is occasionally they eat males, but not always. So they observed this one octopus pair. The male and the female, they mated 12 times. And then when the male went in for the 13th time, the female's okay. like, that's enough. Wow. And, and killed him and ate him. And then stuffed him into like a reef and like ate him over the course of like several days. Ugh, feminism. <laughs> But it's uh it's a hard world out there. I mean, when you're living in the ocean, mm -hmm. there's no indoors. See, that's that's the shark getting jacked by the octopus. Oh wow! Yeah, it's just wrapping. Yeah, around. Google it from the. Or, uh, well, sorry, rewind it. I it, it does it just, show the it was sort of just swimming by it. Uh, yeah, it shows, but it shows him snatch it. So the thing's swimming by. A shark thinks he's the king of the sea, and the octopus is like literally looks like a part of the reef until yeah. he swims by. And watch this. Bitch. Oh shit. Yeah. Have you seen the um Nature is Metal Instagram account? Yes. Dude, half the time I'll just be scrolling, having a good day. Yeah. And it's like you're not supposed to attribute emotion to it because it's emotionless. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my god, my day is fucked. I just saw like a gazelle getting ravaged by a whatever. A crocodile. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the craziest shit is when they know that some of them are gonna get killed by crocodiles and they all have to make it across the river and you see the crocodile's heads just poking up and moving towards them mm -hmm. and they're just running and hoping that they get out of there. Oh, look at this yeah. one. That's a jaguar with a crocodile in his mouth. It's pretty. 
yeah, it's a tough world out there, kid. Yeah, I'm you're seeing more wildlife and nature shit than ever living here. It's like everywhere you go, there's roadkill. I was driving the other day. We're in Austin. I was driving the other day, and um, there's just these two beautiful elk in the middle of the highway. They're definitely not elk. Okay, whatever they deer. were, deer. deer. They were deer, <laughs> but they were just dead. You could tell they were freshly hit. I literally oh, yeah. was like, oh my god. But that's well, this is the rut. We're in the middle of the rut. The rut is probably actually not the middle. This is the end. It's probably over. It's right around Thanksgiving is the rut. And what the rut is is when they breed once a year. It's one time a year they get some action, and then in the spring the babies are born. So right now is when they get after it, and so they get really stupid. See, it looked like a male and a female. One was yeah. significantly larger, and I was like, this happy couple just died. So did they sad. both have antlers or no? One. One did, yeah. So it's probably that. Um, yeah. That the male probably chased her out into the street because he's trying to get some. And she's like, Leave me alone, bitch. And she's just trying to get away, and she gets hit by a truck. And then he's like, bah, bah, boom, and he gets hit too. Yeah. yeah. But what's scary is like you can die hitting one of these things. You know what I mean? You it can go can. straight through your windshield. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, ever since driving past that, I'm very aware because I'm already a bad driver. My buddy lives in Oregon, and a man behind a man who hit a deer died. So the guy in front Ooh. hit a deer, the deer went flying through the air, the car behind it, the deer went through that windshield and killed the guy. Fuck. Yeah, That's fuck. really shitty way to Because it was in the air. Yeah, So he's yeah. going 65 miles an hour and this, boosh, this fucking 150 pound mass of meat and bones and antlers just hits him in the face. Just shattered his brain oh and God. snapped his this neck. This wild fish is real, by the way. Whoa. Oh, it's real. Sarcastic Fringehead. What a weird name. The sarcastic. Name. What's sarcastic I don't about know, that's that? Why I had to make sure. It was I won't kill real. you. Psych. Look at it. Like Whoa! Look at that mouth. Fuck. Wow. That's cool. That's what it looks like without the mouth open. Yeah, the ocean is filled with it's monster soup. It's filled with fucking wild creatures. Yeah. But the thing that fascinates me about space is there's an infinite amount of planets out there that have an infinite amount of species. That's like, it's not just what we have in our ocean, which is pretty fucking crazy and interesting, but an infinite number of those things out there and an infinite number of creatures that are terrestrial as well as underwater. Where would you say is probably the nearest? Like some people say Europa. I've also heard the upper hemisphere of Venus is the closest to Earth-like conditions, which I don't know how that is. But is I've that real? That. Yeah, I've heard that. What's um, the closest to Earth-like conditions? Like the temperature. Really? And, yeah. They think Venus at one point in time wasn't that hot. Because the surface, I think the surface is extremely hot. Like they've sent down rovers that got melted within seconds Ooh. just being on. Yeah. I think at one point in time it wasn't though. I think all of it has uh. changed over time. Like Mars at one point in time used to be hospitable, like to life. They think that. People think we came here from Mars. There's a lot of people that think. There's mm -hmm. the Dogon tribe in Africa that their whole lore is about that we came from uh, from Mars. And they just found, or there's like pictures, people are speculating, and there's like a cube object structure that they found on Mars. Like no, that's on the picture. moon. Oh, the moon, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, China is actually investigating that right now. They really? have a rover. Yeah, they're beating us at everything. Are you gonna learn Mandarin, or are you just gonna give in? What are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm gonna give it, a, I'm gonna resist as long <laughs> as I fucking can. I thought it was really interesting recently finding out what China's doing with the algorithms with TikTok. So you have, like, you look at kids in America and their algorithm on TikTok, they're scrolling, and it's like someone with green hair telling them they're like a dummy boy and like learning about all the flags. And then you go to China and it's like science experiments and like, shit that makes you a better person yeah well not only that they won't allow children to be online using apps after like 10 p.m. yeah there's a lockout yeah it's like from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. it's there's a lockout and then 
what they're exposing their kids to is all like kids doing incredible things, science projects, great sports accomplishments. They're showing positive role models. Which that part, I'm like, why yeah, not? Why not? Uh, the lockout, I don't know, but they, they're very strong. They they like they have this national pride of China that's directed by the CCP yes. that has its benefits and its its negative. The, the negative is that they're controlling what's acceptable and not acceptable. And then any dissenters get locked up and killed. That's not good. Right. <laughs> right. But then you think about, I don't know, I'm just looking at what's happening to like Gen Z and kids in this country and so much of the shit they're being indoctrinated with. And you look at them and it's like, well, they're not going to have that problem. Maybe it's some other problems, but at least they don't have that problem. What do you think is causing all of the the issues that people in Gen Z or whatever you would say are having that maybe generations before them didn't have to deal with? What do you think is the cause of it? Well, I think one of the main differences between how I grew up, and I'm only 28, it's not like I was in school that long ago, um, but it seems as if there's a lot of just based on what you see online, like <clears throat> activists that become teachers and they go into these classroom settings with the intention of teaching kids about LGBT shit, about critical race theory. Um, it, it seems as if people specifically have gone into it to indoctrinate people. Whereas like, I remember all my teachers, it's like they avoided being political at all costs because they knew it would upset parents. And I think that's kind of the way to go. Not entirely, but I think that's healthier. Yeah, it's weird when people don't have their own shit together, but they want to teach kids. It's, yeah, it's like it's. Like, I'm not against people talking about anything in school. Same. But I think that the problem is when they're indoctrinating children into an idea, and they're saying that this is right and this is the way to do it. Like, there's really clear right or wrong. Like, hey, don't steal, don't rob, don't kill people, don't rape. There's don't don't start arson. There's a lot of like real clear yes and no's but then when it gets to certain issues it's like some people have different religious beliefs some people have different social beliefs some like it's good to talk about them but you should be able to have someone from both sides discuss it like i've talked about this before but when i was a kid when I was in high school, there was, there was a guy named Barney Frank, who's a congressman in uh, Massachusetts. And back then, he was in the closet, but since then, he's come out. Um, but he was the left-wing representative, and there was a guy from this group that was called the Moral Majority. And the Moral Majority at the time was like, they were like a right-wing, they were kind of goofy. They, they were right-wing, but they were sloppy. Like, the, the, the ideology wasn't well-formulated, and the people that bought it, they were like sort of like... QAnon people without the conspiracy theory, okay. they're, go they're goofy, right. you know what I mean? They're yeah, goofy. Yeah. So this guy and uh, Barney Frank debated in an auditorium in our high school when I was like 14, 15 years old. And it was really interesting because we got to see I one bet. guy who had this like very staunch right-wing perspective and then Barney Frank, who is much more articulate and much more at least seemingly intelligent, picked his ideas apart and had a, a much better presentation. And we got to walk out of there and talk about it and have our own opinions about things. That doesn't exist anymore. Right? doesn't exist anymore. Now kids are schools. getting, in, instead of getting educated as to the pros and cons of different perspectives, a lot of kids, you know, obviously depending upon the school, they're getting indoctrinated into yeah. these ideas. And it depends what city. It depends, are you in a blue city and a blue state, red city and a red state, red and a blue, you know what yeah. I mean? But also, like, I guess it's just the fact that there's not 
both sides shown to a lot of the shit. Like for me, I don't think there's any reason why preschoolers need to learn about LGBT and be shown all this flag that's like you see pictures of teachers in classrooms with like every possible variation of like LGBT flag, non-binary flag, all the shit with like five-year-olds. And it's like to them, it just looks like really cool, colorful shit that kids are naturally going to be attracted to. And so it's not a shock to me that you have like little kids now identifying as LGBT when you can make the argument that like that's just society progressing so naturally more people will identify but like five-year-olds and the same massive leap it's been used to be like 0.01 percent now it's like what, but it was 0.01 percent how many of them just hit it well that's for trans though i don't know but about, it's not like, just for trans i mean for whether it's gay lesbian trans anything like how many people hid their sexuality or their sexual preference or or what their identity was a lot for sure um but because the interesting thing is in the past it was always kind of like a social net negative to come out it's like your life only got harder you weren't praised in the way we are now it's like society only knows how to do like extremes of anything it's like used to be total shame and getting jumped and beat up because you're the faggot which was my life as a kid and now it's like five-year-olds being told like they're like an inspiration and a hero because they're non-binary and they're going to go on hormones when by the time they're 11 it's like just chill when did you feel if you can remember when did you feel like something was off that you Um, were supposed to be a girl like five at five yeah i remember being in preschool like my, my earliest memories in life were feeling like the only way I can describe is like a very intense misalignment between the way I was perceived and the way I had my self-concept. Um, so I would say five, uh, but obviously I didn't have the words to articulate it at five. Was that when you first started going? Did you go to preschool? Mm-hmm. So was, was that when you were around other kids? Is that yes. when you started feeling it? Yeah. Um, first of all, I mean, preschool is kind of like the earliest time people even have memories, but also like that's when you start being socially separated by gender. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I have a very vivid memory of like the boys cubby area where you put your backpack in your schoolwork and the girls, and it was like the girls was pink, the boys was blue. And that's superficial, but you start to see the division really early. And I just had this inherent sense that I would never be able to fit into like a maleness ever. I don't know why. And the, the feelings only got more intense as I got older. Then I hit, pu- I hit puberty and it was like, oh shit. <laughs> something's really off like holy fuck like um and then eventually at 18 i started making the steps so there was never a moment where you were confused as to whether or not this is the right thing to do there was it was always confused as to why am i a boy um there was definitely confusion and and trepidation about like is it the right thing for me to transition that's like a huge decision that i think is taken like way too lightly now um and things have changed really quickly with how that decision is treated in society. Uh, but I guess I just had, it was just a, a progression of like understanding it more and more, understanding like, why am I uncomfortable with being called him by people when I'm literally a him? Like, why is that something that would make me feel uncomfortable? Why is that something that would cause me stress or anxiety? Um, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I considered living with it. I thought, Maybe I'll just live with it, but it got to a little bit of a breaking point where I was like, God damn it. Do you remember the first person you reached out to about this? Mm, I think my mom. But I've I've always been the kind of person that like once I decide something, I just decide it and I just go. So it was it was almost like a very non casual call. I was like, Hey mom, so um <laughs> I think I'm gonna transition and see you at Christmas. And she's so like, this was oh. a phone call when you were not at home, you weren't living at home anymore? 
yeah, I had moved very briefly to Michigan for a boyfriend. It was a horrible relationship. But um, yeah, it was almost like casual. And I think people weren't necessarily shocked because I was always naturally very feminine. My voice never dropped. I'd, uh, I was called a faggot when I was four. Everyone saw four. it. Yeah, everyone saw it before me. I didn't know what a faggot was. <laughs> everyone did. Like, I didn't know what a faggot was, but I knew I was one. So a little four-year-old called you that? Oh, yeah, all the kids. Yeah. Jesus. I grew up in a very, um, like, small, sheltered town, which has Where? its perks in a place called Corning, California. Very northern California, the most red part of California. People don't realize that California is San Francisco, yes. L.A., San Diego, and Kentucky. Yeah, it's literally no one even pays attention to the very top half and you go up there and you're like, oh, people live different here. It's not. Yeah, it's not even the top half. If you drive from L.A. to San Francisco, it's Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's fucking, a whole lot of nothing and fucking farmland with like fuck Joe Biden signs everywhere. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's what's what's crazy about like. As a lifelong Californian until recently, it's like it's always just been this thing where like L.A. pushes the narrative of California and San Francisco pushes the narrative of California. But yeah. it's really far from the truth. So I grew up in a in a in a small town where I was like the town weirdo, which was totally fine. I think it prepared me for the life I have now a little bit. But um, so everyone saw it before me, basically. No one was shocked. And did you grow up with your was the nuclear family intact? Was your father living with you? Yeah, I had a mom and a dad and a half brother. And how did the dad feel about everything? Uh, he died before I came out, so I oh, don't really shit. know. He, Yeah, he died of cancer when I was 19, and I started transition officially at 20, 28 now. Um, my mom has been supportive. I don't really talk to my brother, not because of that, but because he's a severe drug addict and out of jail. I was the only person in my nuclear family, immediate family, that wasn't addicted to some sort of substance. So, but that's the case with like small kind of towns like that. It's like, right. what do you do? It's just meth. It's like, I didn't, there was no bowling alley, no Walmart. It wasn't even a Walmart in my town. People just did meth. It's what, it's, it's what you did. I've never done meth, but. Meth is like so industrious. They get everywhere. 100%. Like, jobs don't get everywhere, but meth gets everywhere. It's meth how people, finds the people. Yes. And it's how people get through life in those towns. Yeah. Oxy, meth, something, anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's. It's hard when you when you see people that come from these like very rural towns where there's not much going on and they don't have any hope. And there's, yes. there's no like, you know, that people live a different life in other places, but you don't know how you could get to those places. And what I mean, what do you do? You save up money, yeah. try to get a job when you move there. Like it just just take a chance. And yeah, it takes a lot of courage. That's the the main thing when I I think everyone kind of checks up on like people from their past or from their high school family members whatever so I go on Facebook and look and like the the main thing I see in a lot of people from my hometown not to bash them because it's whatever it's like a lot of hopelessness and a lot of like yeah. never really left the town like my mom she visited me here in Austin the other day a couple weeks ago and she was like this is only the third state I've ever been to I'm like Whoa. you've only been to California Oregon because it's next to California a literal like four-hour drive from where I grew up in Texas like, that's just crazy to me. That's how, wild. And she's like in her 50s. It's like, how do you? But it, I see the way it shapes like their worldview, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they haven't seen the world. That's a lot of people. That's most people. It's a, a giant chunk of people. A lot of people, they get out of high school. They, they do whatever they do, whether they go to school or whether they go and get a job. And they kind of stay around where they are. And, you know, and then they have this sort of very narrow view of the world because of that. Yeah. And they don't necessarily understand 
your experiences. So I moved to L.A. a few years ago and I was there for five years. Um, and like when all the riots happened in 2020, I remember calling my family and just saying like, Hey, I'm sure you're seeing the news. I'm sure you're slightly concerned for my safety. The city is on fire, but I'm actually going up to the mountains. I'll be there for the foreseeable future. And then I'll come back when things calm down. They're like, Oh, but you're not racist. So you'll be fine. Right. I was like, you think these people are just walking around, just attacking racists? Like, no. Like, How do you feel about affirmative action? They're holding a brick. How do you feel exactly. about affirmative action? It's like, okay. So what you don't understand is... I'm by no means this group of people's favorite person being Antifa, Black Lives Matter. I've literally had Antifa show up to my speaking events before. Um, so I'm- Why have they showed up at your speaking events? They say I'm transphobic. What? You didn't know how to WT. <laughs> That's the dumbest fucking thing I've Isn't ever heard. Isn't fucking stupid? That's like me being anti-male. That's so stupid. Right, and you'll get called transphobic for having me on. And I'll get well. I'll get called transphobic for everything. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Me, me too. That's yeah. what's so fucking stupid about it. I got first called transphobic because of the Fallon Fox thing. Because that fighter that was beating the shit out of um, biological women without telling them that she was a man for cracked 30 one of their skulls years. within yeah. like thirty seconds. Bragging about it, and I was like, "That's fucking crazy." And people were like, "You're out of line." You're, you're a bigot. I'm like, what are you saying? And granted, I used uh, very inappropriate language and very colorful language to describe this because I was furious. As you like, should be. But I wouldn't be. And here's a, there's another recent case that people brought before me like, this is outrageous, this is bullshit, of a guy who I think he was a ranger or a seal, like super fucking jacked, like ripped dude who transitioned mm -hmm. and yeah, became no. a woman and fought this woman. I don't have a problem with that. Zero problem with that because it was her decision. Just like I don't have a problem sure. with people riding bulls. I don't have a problem with people free diving with sharks. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. But the found fox things, she, the opponents didn't know, exactly. right? Exactly. The first two fighters didn't know that she was a biological male for That's 30 fucked years. Up. It's fucked up. And she said that it was a medical decision. It was a medical uh, issue and it wasn't any of their business. That's, a, that's I don't think your sex is a medical issue. It's just kind of a state of being that, and it might be important to certain yeah. situations. Like if I go to a doctor's office, I always find that it's very important for me to tell them that I'm male to female transsexual because there's going to be certain things that they need to maybe screen me for for my health or look sure. out for that are specifically to biological males. And those are things that, yeah, I can change a lot of that, but not all of it. But at least that is like patient uh, patient physician relationship and no one's getting assaulted yeah it's <laughs> but it's also it's it's private yeah this is a public thing so I think her perspective was that if she tells these people that she was a biological male for 30 years and then transitioned that she'll get publicly persecuted and people would be upset but you got to give people the opportunity to say no like, I don't want to compete against someone like this, especially in the level of competition that she was facing. In combat sports specifically. Yeah, but like... it's also, like, it's low-level combat sports. It's like, once she fought, she she fought a biological female that kicked her ass, Ashley Evans-Smith, mm -hmm. who eventually made her way to the UFC, um, who was talented, like, very good, and wound up beating her. It's Because it wasn't like she was very good, but she had all these advantages of having male hormones flow through your body for 30 plus years. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's a big advantage. 30 years of it, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, just to be kind of real about it, if I, for whatever reason, like right when I moved from LA to Texas, I was in between doctors, so I was literally off hormones for maybe three to four weeks. And like, 
I, I've been on them so consistently for so many years now that I didn't realize how quickly it gets reversed if you're not on. Like I didn't see necessarily physical changes, but just psychologically, like just so many things. People really underestimate. How, how, when did you get off? Um, it was like I moved here September 1st. So from like September 1st to like October, I wasn't on. And what, what happened? What was the shift? My skin got really oily. My hair got really oily. Um, I literally felt my arm hair get slightly thicker. I have almost no arm hair, but with what is there, I felt it get a little bit thicker. Um, Were and you then, like, yikes? Yeah, I was like, I gotta get a fucking doctor. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, about to get some black market shit. Don't do that, no. Uh, but yeah, it, and that's only a month after being on them consistently for eight years. So if you are, if you've lived your life until 30, 35, maybe even longer, you have received the full impact of masculinization via testosterone. Yeah. And that's not that's not inconsequential. And the people act like it is. It's a huge thing. Well, there's a guy that was on my podcast recently. His name's Derek. He runs uh, the website, the YouTube page, More Plates, More Dates. Have you ever, he's, he's, a, he's like an amateur chemist. He's a brilliant guy, but he's okay. done, he knows a lot about steroids. He's done a lot of steroids himself and he knows a lot about hormones and hormone optimization. And he even runs a, a hormone clinic. And he did a series of videos about the problem with uh, people transitioning and like what are the benefits that these athletes are facing that activists are not being straight about. And you know, he's, he went over specifically this MMA fighter that used to be, um, was, was, he, was he a ranger or a seal when he was a male? I think he was a Navy SEAL or a Marine. Yeah, whatever. Jacked. Like, Huge motherfucker. Like, he was hot. Yeah, pretty hot. He was like actually pretty hot. I was like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, and then <laughs> then became a woman and started, you know, fighting in MMA. But again, I have zero problem with that. If no it's problem. consensual. Special forces. Yeah, special, special forces. Okay. So um, he did a whole video on him. Now, now there's a swimmer who just beat her just slowest, uh, the, the next closest competitor by 38 seconds. <laughs> But see, uh, that's, the, that is wild. But the thing about that is like, I think it's very easy to get a little reactionary to things like this and be like, oh, this is like a really bad thing. And I agree that it's a bad thing, especially it's not consensual, like you said. But like, what better way to show one of the major pitfalls of like this ideology, like than just seeing it. Because, In sports. Yes, right, because it's measurable. just to see the like physical difference sometimes between them you don't have to be like into sports or a fucking scientist to see like oh that's a huge human that's a small human and that person's probably gonna have an advantage in some way over yeah. this person some of them are just like fucking big and you see them lined up playing track or something running track and like it's okay Do those legs the, are long the craziest one that i ever heard of what a 50 year old guy transitioned to being female caitlin jenner no 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 uh, that's she's older than that. She's in her sixties. Yeah, she is. Fifty-year-old guy, and then went back to college, and played college ball. Wait, went <laughs> back. So women's college ball as a fifty-plus-year-old man that's like six foot five, this fucking giant person. What's crazy is, here's where it becomes a problem. If you're a woman, that's the that's him right there. Oh, right there. I, yeah, I've seen that one. See, yeah. this is what I mean. When you just see it and it's plain as day like that, it's really hard to argue for it. People still manage to. But these somehow, are but... teenage girls. Yeah, I mean, that's... this is. And what's really fucked is that these <laughs> girls, for a lot of these 19, 20 year old girls, like they're they might work be working on a scholarship, right? They be might there wanna... through their academic merit or their um, sports merits, and like they might want to play in the NBA as a professional. And here they're 
competing against a biological male that's gigantic. That's a huge person. Like, why you got to go back to? And if there's this many trans athletes wanting to wanting to compete, like, where are the trans leagues at this point? I feel like those should be that would be great. I would if love they to had see trans it. leagues, but then there that would be a problem because the male to female would dominate. Well, yeah, I, I I would say separate it just male to females and maybe female to male separate. Yeah, just like a reverse right. of what we already have. have. Two, right. Like, I would love to two see Fallon leagues. Fox box. What's her name? Alana McLaughlin, the other trans woman fighter, the one with the pink oh. hair. It's like y'all just go at it. You get out. I want to. <laughs> if they're the same weight you, class, you can't tell me like you wouldn't want to like just hit a blunt and watch two trannies beat the fuck out of each other. That's it, hilarious. It would be Jerry Springer. Uh, it would be more fair for sure mm-hmm. if you had male to female lead. But it's like, is is there enough? Are there enough like male to female combat sports athletes that you could actually have a league and have people that would have opponents? Because you have to have. If you're gonna have a weight class, say if you have a 135 pound weight class, you have to have X amount yeah. of women in that weight class to compete. Probably will be soon now that like a huge chunk of like kids are wanting, like it's gonna be more trans people in the future, a lot more. So this brings me back to the, the idea of the alien and the idea of uh, CRISPR. Like if, if people could just transition, like legitimately transition. Like into where, a new body. Like, yeah, where you're you're switching. I think people are gonna be the Hulk. I think you're gonna have people that come out like Thor. They're just gonna you're just gonna be able to manipulate genes. I mean, essentially that Chris Helmsworth guy, what you have there is weightlifting plus steroids plus genes. All those things are amazing. And they have to all line up mm-hmm. to make Thor. You know, when you see that guy with his shirt off, you're like, Jesus. That's that's a lineup, right? You gotta have right. a lot of shit in A lot of li- things have to fall in order yeah. for that. If you are a biological female and you transition to be a biological male and you wanna look like that guy, good luck. Good fucking luck. Good Even though testosterone luck. is a hell of a drug and I've seen some that I'm like Well Okay. Buck, but still. Buck Angel's been on the podcast before. I love Buck Angel. Very nice He's guy. A very good person. Sweet person. Real friend and, and just a genuine person. When you uh, you see him and talk to him, you like same thing I see when I talk to you. You're like, oh yeah, clearly, just makes sense. Yeah, it just makes sense. Like trans makes sense. Like it makes sense for a lot of people, but it's like. It, but I also think that it takes a very specific person to transition and end up happy with it and like live that life. It takes a very specific person. I'm what is saying, that person? I think it's someone who has experienced intense, debilitating levels of gender dysphoria. It's been consistent. You're insistent on it. It doesn't go anywhere. And you seek the solution to fix it, which for some people is transition, but it's not everyone. I mean, clearly you have like, there's this really alarming growing movement of detransitioners among young people online. If you look up the word detransition on YouTube, yeah. it's a bunch of now becoming like influencers, getting like millions of views talking about how they were 16, thought they were trans, by the time they're 19, they're done with it, but their breasts are gone, but their voice is permanently altered, but they have, you know, that is their voice is permanently altered? Like what happens if you get on estrogen? Does that- Estrogen bring... does not change your voice. Really? No, not, not even a small amount. Um, you have to kind of like voice train, I guess, if you, I've never done that. You're so lucky that you have a feminine voice. My voice never dropped. This is my voice since 13. That's so lucky, right? For someone who transitions, because you don't ever have to fake it. Because like, you know who Elizabeth Holmes is? I'm obsessed with this lady. And I'm sorry, I keep bringing it up. Do you know what Theranos is? No. Theranos is this uh, gigantic scam. It was uh, a huge- Oh, sorry, Theranos, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the blood testing scam. 
she has a fake voice and she talks yeah. like this. And uh, she tried to make herself have a deeper voice so she was taken more seriously. Um, but when her friends from college saw her, they're like, what is They're like, what the fuck are you doing, like bitch? Why is she talking like that? Right. And then they realized that's not her voice. Like, oh my God, she's pretending she's got a deep voice. Unless maybe so something crazy. happened. She got hit in the neck with a lacrosse ball or something. Yeah. But <laughs> testosterone does change your voice, though. It does. Yeah. That's yeah. why a lot of, you see trans guys and they're on testosterone and like a month later they sound like, like you. me <laughs> like yeah. you and i'm like Whoa. okay shit um hey. <laughs> but they also have it a lot harder with surgeries because it's harder to make a hole than build a pole hi <laughs> <laughs> you know Is what I it? Mean? yeah i mean if you're making a how do you a, build a pole exactly you yeah. can probably if i told you to go dig a hole you could figure it out but make a pole from nothing i right. don't know i uh, think you said it the wrong way I think you said Easier it's to harder to make a hole than to build a pole. Oh, my bad. Easier to make a hole. Right. Is that what she said? We don't have to rewind it. <laughs> this but conversation. It's, but it's clear. No, yeah. It's easier to, it's easier to snip, snip, make yeah. a hole yeah, than it so. is. I've seen, unfortunately, because I, 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 I'm one of those dudes that are like, let's Google it. You've seen the surgery? I've seen the surgery on both sides. I've seen the, where they grow a penis on an arm. They grew a penis on this guy's it's arm. It's like inflatable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, and then you, you know, it's probably numb, you know. Like it, I, my knee, I had a, an operation on my knee in like '94 uh, or some shit, and it's still numb. Like the outside of my knee is still numb. I had uh, an ACL reconstruction, so mm -hmm. I have this big scar up my knee, and if you touch that area, it's numb. Okay. So it's like that's probably what it's like. Yeah, I, I would imagine if you have. I mean, maybe you get some of your feeling back, but if you're growing a new dick on your arm <laughs> and then they put it on there, how much of it do you feel? And does it feel like an arm? You know, like if someone's like stroking my arm and I have to pretend like, oh, right. yeah, baby. Like, can you really? Oh, baby, keep keep touching right. my at, at that uh, point, I'd say dick. just yeah. get a strap on and call it a fucking day. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, surgeries are easier for trans women because it's like, even in the sense of like top surgery, it's like adding breasts is like a little bit less traumatic than removing them. Right. Yeah, because you could always go back. You could like a lot of girls get exactly. them removed. But that's what's so scary about these kids. It's like I don't know if you've ever kind of gone down the teen detransition or rabbit hole. You probably I have. have. Okay. Yeah. It's like it's like young kids. And I've interviewed a couple on my channel. One of them's name was L. Palmer, I believe. That's the last name. And um, her voice is permanently very very deep yeah um i believe she's like had to have like laser hair removal because she started growing facial hair she can't get rid of um removed her breasts that's uh abigail Schreier's um subject that she's been um she's been attacked like relentlessly for that very book bad. Uh, yeah and it, that is like the like when i get called uh out for having transphobic content they point to that only to Abigail Schreier's work. Well, we just, we're giving them something damage. else now. I don't know how the fuck they're gonna say it's anti-trans by having you on. You are. Because I, I, because to me, there's a very big difference between individual trans people and trans ideology. Mm. And when you're trans, it's like you can either follow the trans ideology, which is ever moving, ever growing, new rules every other week, or you like don't. What's so, the newsletter say for this week? <laughs> I don't fucking know. That's the thing. I hear words all the time. I just did a video with Michael Malice on my channel where we reacted to like crazy TikToks. And it was all this trans shit in terms. And I'm like, how do I not know this? And I'm a fucking tranny. How, do, how am I not relating to this in any sense of the, in the, like what? 
So it's hard to keep up with, but that's also why I have a lot of empathy for people who don't understand trans people, don't get it, because everyone has a gay friend. Most people don't have a trans friend. The TikToks, the libs of TikTok channel, have you ever- the Twitter. It's where I got all my TikToks I reacted to. It's you. incredible. I Libs know. of TikTok on Twitter is the best follow. It's Well, Tim Dillon's the best follow. Libs of TikTok is number two. Yeah. But Libs of TikTok is so fucking crazy. Like, I, it's almost like China is fucking with us because- The algorithm. It's not just the algorithm. It's like they created TikTok. And TikTok is, if you know, when you've talked to software engineers that have back engineered the TikTok platform and gone over like all this different stuff that it does to violate privacy, they said, we've never seen an app like this before. It's like the most violating app ever. Oh, yeah, it's intense. I've literally, um, this one time I met this girl at a gym and we became friends and we were just talking, but I didn't, we didn't like give each other uh, like our numbers or like contact info or anything, right? Like we, there was no digital attachment. We didn't follow each other, nothing. Right. And then an hour later, I'm on my phone on TikTok. I'm banned now, but when I had TikTok, and I'm scrolling through, and she pops up on my TikTok, a woman I just met in person. And it's not like she was like an influencer, had a following to where maybe statistically I would run into this person. It's like she had like 12 followers, and I was like, that's scary. Yeah, it's. I bet it's probably just your phone being next to her yes. phone. Like the phones are talking to each other. Yeah. Like what? It's like, I don't like that. I mean, no. granted, I followed her. I was like, oh, cool. She has a TikTok. But How did you get banned from TikTok? I posted that I didn't think it was transphobic for people to not date trans people if they don't have that preference. That's it? Mm-hmm. Whoa. They banned you for that? That was the... That was the... <sighs> Yeah, infraction. It was TikTok doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, because there was this um, like funny meme that was going around called like super straight, and there was like high school kids being like, "I'm super straight. Like I don't date trans women." Like, and but they, <laughs> but it's funny because the way they did it was super like straight. Yeah, ah. I'm not just straight. I'm super straight. But the oh. way they did it was like, okay, we'll say trans women are women, but I'm super straight. So if I go further than that. I don't actually date them. Oh my god, super straight is yeah. hilarious. But everyone was super upset about it, and to me, I find it insulting on so many levels to like insist people have to date someone of a certain type or be involved sexually so i'm like why are y'all attacking people for saying this it's a meme what did you say though that that they banned you for did you say anything? i said i wouldn't want to date anyone who didn't want to date trans women anyways i'm not offended by it and people have a right to their preferences everyone has a right to their preferences and i got banned for that wow i wonder what they're doing do you think that they're just they're social engineering. Uh, yeah, they're social engineering, right? But it's China is involved. Yes. So it's almost like they're trying to push us towards the most ridiculous, preposterous, cartoonish, caricaturish, caricaturish version of what like a social justice warrior would be. Yeah, and, and it like, just keeps going. It doesn't going like further stop. and further left. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember like? I don't know. I remember being maybe like in 2015 watching like your podcast with like just people from that time talking about the SJWs are starting to rise up and like those guests. And it's like that was like nothing. I know. Well, people that thought I was overreacting, they were like, I, I was talking to people like Jordan Peterson and a lot of other people was like, this is not going to stop here. You have to understand these people are going to go from universities into corporations and then the corporate. Yes. Interests are going to be represented by these people and it's going to spread this ideology it's through already mainstream happened. America. And people are like, that's bullshit. This is a very fringe thing that's only happening in small groups right. in universities. But now, now it's undisputable. Right. You can't work for any major corporation without going through what, ex- basically social justice training. Yeah. It's yep. just part of being hired places. And if you want to work for a tech company, good luck being conservative. You can't. 
You literally can't. Yeah. yeah it's and, crazy. But that's what's so scary as well when you think of big tech it's like so much of what we say is so controlled and there's so much that i would love to just be able to open my phone rant about on social media and not be like how stupid is that? i got banned for saying that like i don't think a trans will book not date trans women but you could say that on instagram yeah that's the thing there's different roles for different things like on twitter i posted um something along to the effects of kyle rittenhouse did nothing wrong that was like a tweet i posted but then People who shared that tweet on Instagram got banned. I knew I shouldn't share that on Instagram. That's like Twitter only type of thing. But really? then I had friends who reposted my tweet on their walls and they got banned. I'm like, that's scary. Well, yeah, Twitter is a little more free, but less free now, I think, with Jack Dorsey gone. Yeah. I think with Jack Dorsey, Jack Dorsey, I think, was the last wall, the last firewall for free speech. Over there, they just banned the um, Galen. How do you say it? I know Galen Maxwell, the trial. You say Galen? Is that how you say I it? I think it's Galen. Yeah. Do you know how to say it, Jamie? Galen. You think so? I've never heard her say it, but I think that's how you say I it. I like to Galen. say Gislaine because it's funny. That's better. Let's go with that. Gislaine Maxwell. Gislaine. Um, her uh, the the track the tracker got yeeted. Yeah, but it got yeeted for what? Did you see what it got yeeted for? The last post. It was. No. They showed that a bunch of evidence that was introduced already had FBI tags on it, which means the FBI had access to all of these CDs, all of these hard drives, all of these things, had reviewed them, and then had allowed them to be brought back in for wow. evidence, supposedly. See if you can find it. See, because it's, it's posted up. A lot of people have reposted it. Yeah, under doesn't threat this, uh, of banning, like, Streisand affect it because there's people who are just gonna ad nauseum. Just well, fucking you're track, right? smarter than the feds. <laughs> Congratulations. In a way, but also that account had a huge following very quickly. I think it had like yeah. 400k followers yeah, very quickly. 530,000. Yeah, yeah. And they just banned it. And that's what's like. Okay, so there's all this media attention for the Rittenhouse thing. You can't turn on the TV without seeing it, which it was a big deal. And it, it, you know, I think a lot of American issues were kind of going head to head over that trial. But like the Jelaine Maxwell thing, I feel like is so much more to the public interest or it should be yeah. because it's like you have Hollywood and the elites and people collected, connected to politics preying on young girls. And the fact that that's not of a higher priority in people's attention span is really sad, I think. There's a lot of like black celebrities and black people that I follow that still have uh, like a take on Kyle Rittenhouse because he went to mm -hmm. a Black Lives Matter protest. Yeah. Like, even though, like, I have black friends that thought he shot black guys until, like, the trial started. That was a lot of my progressive friends. Yeah. They, yeah. Thought, they thought it was because nobody knew. They knew he shot three people, but they didn't know. And right. then they realized, like, oh, oh, he fought a bunch of, he, he shot, rather, a couple fucking crazy people. A white pedophile. Yeah. A white, what was multiple, a, like, multiple offender. Like, a guy who had raped, raped many kids. Yeah. Yeah, like that's when when I think about that kind of shit, I think like there are really just two separate realities that people live in in this country. It's like and to me, it's split up between people who either have faith in the corporate press and people who don't. Well, I think that when in this case, it's a little different because I think there was a narrative that got put out and a lot of people didn't read into the story. They just bought the narrative. The narrative was yeah. this kid's a white supremacist who crossed state lines with an illegal gun and he goes to a Black Lives Matter protest looking for trouble and shoots three people. That was yeah. the narrative. Yeah. But the reality was he didn't cross state lines with a gun. He lived 20 minutes away. He drove over there. Someone gave him a gun. He was working. He was kind of playing cop, for sure. 
and he was kind of, but he did administer aid to people and he did like work to clean up graffiti mm-hmm. and i think these this, i think the story is i'm i'm not 100% sure on this but i think the story is that some guys who ran a car dealership asked him to come to and help them. and protect it and these guys saw him with the ar and they chased him down they hit him with a skateboard knocked him to the ground one guy pulled a gun at him and he shot three and guys. tried to take his gun yeah and i believe that the individuals that owned the car dealership were Indian men. So it's like he's, yes. he's there to protect these people of color, yeah. literally. We showed a meme uh, with, in the Matt Taibbi episode. We showed a meme of how crazy it is that he's the worst white supremacist ever. Yeah. He shot three white guys while protecting two brown guys. <laughs> yeah, and then you have people to the, even post-trial, like post like letting him go, you have people who still think he went and shot two innocent Black Lives Matter protesters yeah. because the way in which the media frames it is, killed two people at a Black Lives Matter protest. It's like you're purposely leaving out a lot of context here, and but that's also their MO. It's stroking more division, more hate, yeah. more this group versus that group. Like, it's, just all, it's also like the best way to get people to click on things, and that's always yeah. a thing with the media. It's like, and part of it, I feel, it's almost like they're just trying to survive because to try to get people to read your news stories, good luck today. But good luck. You, some you have... stuff, though, is weird, though. Like, some stuff I would agree that it's like, oh, it's just trying to get clicks. Like, it's just about how many people are reading an article or tuning into something. And then other things, I think, like, they're lying maliciously. Like, this is, like, some sort of actual agenda. Like, when I saw the lies about you and Ivermectin, that was when I was like, well, there's been many examples of made me believe this, but actually there are just some heavily malicious liars in media as well, because I can't think of a, a positive reason why people would demonize a medication that actually helped you, you know? Well, it was one of the things that helped me. The, the crazy thing is that it was on a laundry list of stuff that I took, and that right. was the one that they pointed out. But, you know, I've had legitimate doctors that have treated, including Dr. Pierre Corey, who's treated thousands of people with ivermectin. And people, in, I mean, they're they're handing it out as part of the protocol in Japan and in India and in parts of South America and Mexico. Ivermectin is standard care, and in um, but the problem is it's a generic medication. It's very cheap. Like you can get a dose of ivermectin for like thirty cents. Right. It's, they, and then you think like, how, how do these people? fucking get away with it it's very frustrating yeah. it's like so so why do cnn anchors and msnbc anchors just get to say it's horse tranquilizer well they or yeah horse dewormer or dewormer, they yeah. used to be able to but i think this time yeah. it changed and i think with me the problem was i have more people that watch me than watch them of course so when that but and i i keep talking about it I don't shut the fuck up about it. So it's like you every shouldn't. time I'm not gonna. Good. So every time I talk about it, it's worse for them because then people will go, "What did they do?" And then they'll watch a clip and they'll go, "Holy shit!" And they'll yeah. re- and then they'll watch the brought to you by Pfizer. Like you ever seen the compilation? Oh, Anderson yeah. Cooper brought oh, yeah. to you by Pfizer. You see like hundreds of shows brought to you by. It's Pfizer. like we're in a Black Mirror episode. Every commercial is about some sort of vaccine. I was yeah. saying the other night I was just like high in bed watching like TV and commercials are coming. I never really watch TV and I was shocked. 
by the commercials. Every commercial has something to do with your health, mm -hmm. something to do. I'm like, I literally told Joey, I'm like, I'm sick of hearing about health shit. Like, I don't want to hear about health shit. I don't want to hear about medication. Like, this I, country is so obsessed with medicine. I was watching the UFC the other day. These dudes were beating the fuck out of each other, and every commercial was about was a pharmaceutical <laughs> drug. Like, these, do you have any drugs for headaches? Because these guys have fucking headaches. They just they just cranked on each other's necks and kicked each other in the face, and they're 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 selling medication for how to sleep easier. It's insane. <laughs> And it's also insane knowing that if history went another way and Trump had gotten a second term, I think the vaccine skeptics and hesitant people would be on the other side. Because 100%. right before Trump lost, it was like Kamala Harris talking about how she wouldn't take the vaccine. It was every CNN anchor, talk show host, all Biden. these libs, Biden. Yeah, and Biden now talked it's, about it. Yeah. Now let's trust the science. Who's gonna take it if you if it if it does come out? Who's gonna take it? It would have been the Trump vaccine. Yeah. Now it's just get the vac get vaccinated. Take the vax, man. Yeah. yeah. But that's also what is this? Speaking of him, a couple other uh, <clears throat> TikTok thing. Do you remember that Trump yeah. had a yeah. uh, an mm -hmm. order to ban it? Yep. And then the Biden administration revoked it in yep. order to change. I guess the framework of what was going to be changed, or like the banning, or what they were actually banning about data sales and tracking and all sorts of stuff but it hasn't happened but here if you look at the top of the article look mm -hmm. back look what it says there but the apps still aren't out of hot water <laughs> what does that mean what yeah <laughs> oh the apps are in hot water those apps have a hundred billion people on them like what the fuck right. are you saying but uh so with the this the tracker trial thing or the mm. uh there is something apparently here with this some like twitter sleuths if you will ah. did some digging into the account and some old archive tweets uh, it was that account was used for other tweeting purposes. Oh, and so they might were, like be a Russian the... troll account? Maybe, but like they were saying that the, that account wasn't like a person at the trial. They were just reposting stuff from other like mainstream media sources that they were almost claiming weren't following the trial too, which is a little strange. See, but see why? That why could did be they a reason. Ban them? It could be it a reason just to pull them off. But it, the reason to ban them is because of this. Uh, they had. Other Twitter accounts also point to a Substack newsletter, and that is including an account established to report only negative news about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. But why is that ban worthy? Because if you're using uh, bots and stuff to to take people off of Twitter's website, uh, they don't want that. Oh, okay. And that's that's a reason to do but it. But is I that a bot? A it says no, they yeah. had other accounts. It I don't know that it's, it's a bot. bot. No, I don't right. know that that's accurate. That just could be a reason to do it. But if they're connected Seems to someone that's just only criticizing AOC, like that might be a reason alone. Twitter leans so far left. I mean, Twitter banned Megan Murphy for saying that mm -hmm. men are never women. Right. Yeah. And then it it sucks because like all the alternatives to like mainstream social media are so cringe. They're it's terrible. Like, I don't want to join fucking parlor. I don't want to join like join Gab and talk to Nazis. What are you gonna do? Yeah. It's like <laughs> I wish it could just be truly politically neutral. Like we did not appreciate MySpace for what it was. That shit was politically neutral. Tom had our back. Yes, that shit was fun. Yeah. It was great. You could post bulletins. And now it's like you say one wrong thing and it's like you're banned forever. And it's only on one side, too, which is really frustrating. Yeah. There's no, I mean, what is, what's the best alternative platform? Is it Gab? Like, like I say Gab, you talk to Nazis, but I don't really know. I don't, I haven't really been there. That's just the narrative. Well, it is, it is explicitly very right wing. Let's and go like, to I Gab right now. Go to Gab. Yeah. Go to Gab and let's see like what's on the front page. Because they're <laughs> 
I want to see. Be like just Milo Yiannopoulos or some shit. Do you have to follow? Is he on there? I don't know. That I've, fucking dude. You want to talk about like the power of deep platforming? I've never been to it. He's been like unperson. Interesting. Okay. Let's see. Candace Owen, right away, you vaccine cultists swore up and down your vaccine would keep you safe from the virus. It's a what repost happened? from an account okay. called Morpheus Maga. Okay, so, but this is a repost from her Twitter account. Right. Um, okay, what else here? Omicron beats worldwide, uh, deaths worldwide skyrocketed from zero to zero. Um, so there's a lot of this is like reposting people on Twitter. A lot of it is COVID stuff. Yeah. Which is hilarious. See, yeah, exactly, and it, it's it's very clearly like a right wing. Yeah, so, I, my question though, quick, just as a person, I've never been to Gab. This is a feed that they're curating, or it says hot Popular post, posts. but like, yeah, it says hot post. So, who's most of those? Like, it's curated by somebody. Okay, Morpheus Maga. Here's the question: uh, not this particular one, but how many of these people are Russians? How many of them? How many of them are right. Russians pretending to be Americans trying to stir up shit? Did you see that they found out that 19 of the top 20 Facebook pages that were Christian pages were run by Russians? I saw that, and I've also <laughs> seen a lot of reports that like they will go into groups on Facebook yeah. purely to serve them disinformation. They'll find little pockets and communities and specifically join them, be one of them, and then try to like radicalize them. And Yeah, just start talking shit. Yeah. And try to take them further and further right the way TikTok tries to take people further and further left. We kind of have a fun job, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they're hilarious. Unmask. Forced to mask. Fly this in a, a mask you can breathe in. What is? Oh, is that like That's a bullshit like a, mask? It's a, yeah, it's like a fake mask. And oh, of course, yeah, they use a hot, cloth. a hot girl, a hot Republican, <laughs> ruthless girl. Right. See, so clearly, clearly, Gab has a bias, and even their Twitter account, where like it's like the owners of Gab, like it's all right wing tweets just from them personally. But like, I don't want to join a platform where everyone thinks the same. And yeah. say what you will about Twitter, they ban a lot of people who think differently. But yeah, look at this one, QAnon seventy six. Why do they have so many stars? That's on their account name, but that it, I believe that they have five stars. They're all verified. All these accounts are verified. ah verified. I want you verified. I think <laughs> they have check. a Let's Go Brandon boat. Look at that boat. And tell me it doesn't smell like farts. <laughs> you know that boat smells like farts. You know those people that are eating like bad food. smells like doo for sure. You keep going. Keep scrolling. Oh, all right. Come on, man. I'm if you made a gab, you would trend on Twitter and people would be dragging you probably if you had a gab. Oh, I'm sure. Gab. They would come for me. But it's that like, what be. what else can they come for me for? They've, they've, it's already been Did so much. Did you see much. Vice News came at us for the RV stream? The RV? Oh, the Tim Pool thing? <sighs> They called me far right in that article, They're which is so, so fucking ridiculous. Loony. Vice is so weird. You I know. know. There's, there's a great um, meme for Vice. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to Jamie. What Vice used to be was these people that would go to these fucking crazy war-torn countries and give you right. like a, a real... They had great human interest pieces. Yeah, well, they to yeah they had great human interest pieces. This one piece that I talk about all the time was Haimo's Arctic Adventure about this guy who lives in like way north Alaska who lives off the land. He's a fascinating guy. Top trending story on murder by five G frequency. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean? Like I'm not. Come on, man. Is that is that real? I mean, is that really a Russian or is that like a real person? See? This is the question. All right, Jamie, I'm sending you this this meme. This meme is the perfect example of of vice. Look at this. Watch this meme. <laughs> I love memes. I, I think that memes are like one of the most interesting things to come out of the internet because it's a totally new form of humor. Yeah. It didn't it did not exist before. And they're powerful. Yeah, look at that. 
I will go to the most war-torn places on earth to expose dirty <laughs> politics then and now. Ten reasons why SpongeBob is homophobic. <laughs> right. I mean, spot on, really. <laughs> spot on. Spot on. It's, it's a really a bunch of fucking freaks that work there. It is, but it's also, there's, an, there's a market, right? Like, if you're working for TMZ, you're trying to catch a celebrity drunk, cheating on their wife, walking out of a club, holding hands with the wrong person. That's what the TMZ wants, right? right? They want to get dirt on celebrities. They want to catch you at the airport talking shit, right? Hey, Without Blair, what do you think about this? Like, I think fuck him. And then like, oh, Blair says fuck him. And then blah, front head to headlines, blah. That, but that's their business. Like, you can't get mad that's their business. I have a, a lot of friends that are comics that were like struggling comics that used to work for TMZ. And I would see him at the airport all the time. And I'd be like, bro, not today. I've had zero sleep. Right. I'll say something stupid. And we yeah. laugh. But that's what they do. That's their thing. This is what Vice's thing is now. Their but thing guess... is like politically left, hard left leaning, and then exaggerate the perspectives of anybody that's in the news that might have anything questionable because that's how you get people to click on things. Like yeah. calling you far right or calling me right at all. At all, yeah. And if, and if I'm far right, then what, where the fuck is the line? What like, they say about me now is I have increasing ties to the far right. So Because they can't say I'm right wing because I'm not. So they say increasing ties to the far right. Yeah, like, that's what they did. What does that even mean? What's I don't know. Mean? I, mean, I mean, granted, we had... Alex Jones in the RV, right? Yeah. But uh, the thing about Alex Jones is like, I see him as sort of like the internet's collective crazy uncle. It's like, he's the guy, he's the uncle who like, he's going to be rambling, he's going to be saying crazy shit, and you're going to be tuning him out half the time. Then every once in a while, he just drops a nugget and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's totally right, but chill. I wish that whole Sandy Hook thing had never happened. I know. Because if, if he had never had that crazy perspective... Yeah. He would people would have a different take on him because now that's all they bring up, um, and what he said was very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. He he hates that sure. he did it. But Alex was going through an episode. He was having. I've known Alex for twenty three years. He's a great guy. I was out with him the other night. He's a lot of fun. He He's came to the comedy show at Vulcan. We got married. He, I know you got married. <laughs> he is a sweet guy. Like people get the wrong impression of him. But it's because of that whole thing. But he had gone through an, an episode where he was drinking like multiple bottles of alcohol a day, and he he was having these psychotic breaks. He legitimately was. He'll that talk was during about the Sandy Hook. Time. Yeah, mm. and I think a lot of it, like he was going. I mean, and this is not an excuse, but this is just the the reality. He pays so much attention to these conspiracies, and. For the longest time, people were saying that he's just crazy. But one of the things that's come up over this pandemic and, you know, and leading up to the, the current state that we're at now is that people are realizing that a lot of the things that he called are just true. Are happening. He, he said they were going to institute some sort of a vaccine passport. You wouldn't be allowed to travel. People are like, that's crazy. They were going to move us towards some sort of social credit system. They're absolutely trying that's to do exactly that. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah, he was talking about human monkey chimeras. There's another meme because I fucking love memes. I'll pull <laughs> He's this talking up. about the water turning the frogs gay and like it was. Well, it was actually making them hermaphrodites. Change, change genders, yeah. Yes. And there's a... Uh, there's an Alex Jones was right tip jar meme that I love. Yeah, it's, I it's love filled that. up. But then there's also like all the different things that he's like, it's like you are here now because it, it'll show like all the things that he said that he mm -hmm. predicted that people were like, this is bullshit that have turned. Here it is. I'll send this to you, Jamie. 
And it's, it really just begs the question, like, are people, you either believe people are the sum total of their mistakes or they're not. So, like, I think that the Sandy Hook thing with Alex Jones was egregious. I don't agree with it. I think that it was a huge mistake on his he part. Thinks it was he a thinks huge that. Mistake. But I don't think that the rest of his life is has to be tied to that. Exactly. Like, look at this. This is the, you are here. <laughs> Here's TV spying on you. Check. Elite cabal of sex traffickers. That Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine, whatever. It's going right. on right now, the trial. They're turning the frogs de- the gay. gay. Frogs. Check. Bohemian Grove. Check. Silver iodide. Check. Rich people using baby Check. blood. Check. And right there, you are here. Human monkey chimeras. <laughs> right. And then next is interdimensional elves. And you and I have both experienced elves. Yeah, I experienced that the other day. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the thing about Alex Jones is like, I think that people do have a really wrong image of him. I think he's a really nice guy. In fact, when I first started on YouTube and on the internet, like one of the first people to ever reach out was him. Like he had this like really long message, like novel like message about how much I was inspiring him as a person, how much he loved me and my, what I was doing. I was like, no, wild. Really? Yeah. I'm telling you, people oh, just, no. it's okay. It's just water. <laughs> people just have the wrong, it's okay, Jim. Oh, there's cords right there. Oh, there's cords. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Probably would be all right. It's just power. It's just okay. it's sound, not power. People have they they have an impression based on one absolute mistake. The worst of what he's done. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is a mistake, you know. And but I believe, and I think this is something that we should all uh, subscribe to. I believe in forgiveness. That we we have to yeah. have that as a. He didn't fucking kill someone, dude. Uh, yeah, and as human beings, there has to be there has to be Redemption. room for error. And there has to be a point where you, because otherwise we're just going to try to destroy everyone. Because everyone has something that you could point to, especially if you exaggerated it or distorted it, mm-hmm. or someone gave an account of an event that was inaccurate, and then people like like they did with Kyle Rittenhouse, like they they point to this one inaccurate version of the event and demonize him for that, and then you never forgive him ever, and this is who he is for the rest of his life. That's yeah. crazy. It's, and he's like 18 and so the rest of his life I'm a, he will be seen as a white supremacist unless there's a huge cultural shift and we stop giving a fuck about buzzwords like that he'll be seen as that forever because Joe Biden called him that well Joe Biden's gonna get sued I hope so oh he's gonna get sued I, hope I so. think that kid is lawyered up and I think they're gonna slowly figure out what to do yeah and there's a lot of people that are fucked including the ladies on the view they're fucked you know, they said heinous shit about heinous. him. That is a heinous marketplace. That's what they're dealing. That that view is all they're doing is like selling hate. I would love anger. to go on the view though. Would you? I would love. I would have so much fun. They would just talk over you though. That's what they did. This I lady the other them. day. This lady who I don't know what was wrong with her that she couldn't take the vaccine, but they were like barking at her. Jedediah Yeah, they were just. They wouldn't even let her talk. Yeah. She was trying to explain that her doctor told her not to take the vaccine because she has some sort of uh, predisposed condition. I don't know what it was, and she didn't want to it, it divulge it. It could be just like um, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has an allergy to, what is it again? It's propylene glycol, some shit. He's one of the main ingredients in the, the lipid nanoparticles or the whatever it is in the vaccine. Is uh, it's, it's an ingredient that he's literally allergic to. So he would go into, into shock. Like he would go into an... What's it called? Apolap- What's it called? Aphylactic. What is that? Anaphylactic shock. When you well, have an allergic the, reaction. That's the thing. It's like one size fits all doesn't work in life anywhere. So why would it work with the vaccine? Yeah. I just don't understand that. Like for me, we we're talking about this earlier. For me, once I started hearing about 
heart issues. Yeah. I was like, well, let me just pause. And doesn't mean I won't maybe in the future make a different decision. But as of me now, I'm like, well, I'm just going to chill on that. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? you're 28. You're in very good health. You exercise all the time. You're at a low risk category anyway. Right. And I'm on estrogen, which increases my risk of blood clot. Why do I want to double up with a vaccine? Estrogen increases your risk of blood clots? Really? Yeah. That's why whenever I have friends that are uh, male to female trans and I see them smoking a cigarette, I'm like, fucking stop. You're going to die. Oh, really? Yeah. It's because yeah. that's that's one thing with girls on birth control. Yeah. It's very similar. The medications. Mm. Yeah. It, oh, that's right. Yeah. The, like birth control is estrogen, right? Yeah. It makes you hella emotional, gain weight easy mm. and blood clots and blood clots. But you can shoot loads inside of people and nothing happens. Wait, what do you mean? For girls. Oh, okay. On birth control pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, okay. That's a, it's, it's crazy that there's only one option other than condoms and IUDs, and IUDs is kind of, I don't know if they work 100% of the time. Do they? I don't know. But also oh, yeah. birth control, there are a lot of negative aspects for a young lot. girls that are on it. Yeah. And so the idea that, like, your daughter turns 13 and you're putting her on birth control, it's like, well, maybe, yeah. maybe it's chill on that. Well, you know, it's like people don't want unwanted pregnancies, which totally makes sense. And the thing about human nature is when people get horny and they're together and they're alone, and they're, especially when they're young, they're going to do stupid shit. Yeah. You know, it's just part of being a human being. I also couldn't imagine raising like teenage girls or dealing with that at all. So I have no perspective on like how to keep it's them from getting pregnant. I mean, I've done it. I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now. It's not the worst. Don't you have only daughters? Yeah. Yeah, they're all girls. I think Listen, it's so funny. Sometimes I make jokes about stuff though, and they go, "That's not funny, Dad. That's not funny." I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." <laughs> I think it's funny that you ended up just being a girl dad because it's <laughs> like you're like you in terms of like your public image is like very masculine, very. It's like and then you just have a bunch of girls. It's really funny. I think the universe is teaching me something. Probably balances you out a lot. Yeah, it definitely does. It balances me out. It gives it gives me a much better perspective on how women think not just to, to you know be married and be married to a woman but to see little women being raised, grow up yeah. and become you know adults you just if you're a man especially like if you do men oriented shit like I did my whole life like my whole life was I did you know fighting which is very male oriented mm -hmm. then stand-up comedy which is pretty male oriented I mean I've b made friends with a lot of female comedians and I know them but a lot of them are pretty, they're pretty hardcore. Like, they're, they, the shit that they say sometimes is more fucked up than the things that a lot I'm of the sure. guys say. I have some fucking group texts that I get into with uh, my female comedian friends. And they say shit that I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. They're funny. That, I was saying that on the way up here. I was like, I was like, I know Buck Angel's been on here, so I'm not the only trans person ever here, but I'm probably the least masculine person to ever be on this podcast. Because even a lot of the women that come on, it's like ah. Danica Patrick. It's like, you know, just cool shit. It's like... Just a NASCAR know. driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta be fucking badass to go 250 miles an hour, whatever they do. Right. You gotta be a crazy person. Right. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. She's that. a crazy person, but in a good way. You know, she's intense. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if you're the most feminine. I've had some pretty feminine people, but you're up there. I just always I was just looking through the list of all your recent episodes. It's just all just like yeah. fighters and fucking Michael Malice, who I love. I love Michael Malice. I do too. He's he, become a very, very dear friend very quickly. He's a great guy. He's a funny dude too. Very smart. And when he trolls people on Instagram, like, oh, my God. Like, after the Alex Baldwin I accident, I was like, oh, my God. I can't even read these I know. Things. Every time I open my phone was a new tweet about, like, Alex Baldwin killing people. We moved here on the same day. So we kind of, like, figured out Austin together. And, like, I think on paper, 
people be like, how are they friends? But like, we've gotten really close really quick. I don't know how, but. I think that on paper shit is nonsense. Yeah, that's true. If it's on paper, it's not real. You have to like, you have to be open to different people. And it's it's educational. It's good for you. It's good for you to have different friends with different perspectives. Like I've got some hardcore lefty friends. And then I've got some hardcore right-wing friends. Yeah. And um, I love them all. I, I don't agree with them all. I don't agree with them on a lot of things. On both sides, I don't agree with them on a lot of things. But I think the people that have that mind that like mindset that you have to only be around like-minded individuals what kind of life is that it's terrible for you yeah it, it's it's very i often say i don't like have a tribe I, I think online a lot of people like first of all people call me a conservative commentator i'm like am, am i really like no how did you get labeled who who's the first person to label you a conservative commentator I actually think it might have been Alex Jones. He did? I, was, I think because that was the first show I ever did was his show years ago, and I think like the title of it was like trans conservative commentary, and I was like, Fuck. "Oh I'm no, like, now, Alex, you son of a bitch!" I know. I'm like, I get how that benefits you, but now I'm like, then my Wikipedia page, how that I'm like, "Fuck," but like, if anything, I'm more so center right, but. Like you said, it's like if you don't have friends from all over the spectrum in every area of life, what kind of life are you really living? When I first met Alex, he was getting arrested for protesting George W. Bush. When George W. Bush was right. running for president, he was talking about um, all the ties that George W. Bush had to like elitists and globalists and that they wanted to start wars and do all these things. Like He was a guy that was attacking just people that were in positions of power that were corrupt. Or they were doing illegal things, like on the campaign trail, I think it was, that was like one of the first times I ever saw him get arrested. He's more so, in my mind, if you just like erase all the labels you put on people like an Alex Jones or even you or me, it's like if you just take away all those labels and what society is describing them as, to me he just seems more like an anti-status than anything. To me he's just more so that. I mean, I know he's definitely more right, but he just seems to rail against the state more than anything. Yeah, and he's fucking hilarious. The dude is hilarious. Like, he's one of the funniest guys. Like, when he goes on Andrew Schultz's show, like, Jesus Christ, he's funny. He's funny as fuck. I, after the last stream we did with a minute, I just kept having these recurring, like, PTSD-like visions of hearing, child rape, I've got the documents, blah, blah, blah. Like, just oh, over and over yeah. again. It's so funny. Well, he used to always tell me about this Epstein shit. He told me about it more than a decade ago, and I was like, wait a minute, What? And he was like, there's a fucking island. They take him to this island. They compromise him. They have hidden cameras. They get him all liquored up. And then they, they, they bring him around. These are beautiful women. They don't know. They probably don't even know that these girls are underage. And next thing you know, they got video of them fucking these underage girls. And that's how they get policies passed and this and that. And they, they have all this dirt on people. And then they bring in other people to the fold. And they have, they'll tell, they'll, they'll reach out. They'll try to bring other people in. Like, really? Flash forward. Yeah, I was at the time, he was saying that. I was like, this is crazy. This is one of them crazy things that he says but then i remember bohemian grove because he was always he talking was right about, about bohemian that. grove like there's a place they go they worship molik the owl god they have these guys they dress in rose <laughs> the impression i can't yeah when he was saying that i was like what there's a fucking they they worship an owl god but that's why it sucks so much that he went so hard in the paint with sandy hook yeah. and with the what's the name of that pizza pizza place that he did he go saying? with pizzagate yeah he went in with pizzagate yeah too? he did <laughs> Oops. I'm telling you though, it's like his perspective is so skewed because a lot of times, first of all, the guy feels like very alone, right? He feels like people shun him and, you know, he's alone with all this information and he's constantly drinking at the time at least. And 
he feels like he has these moments where he can't tell what's real and what's fake because there's so much that is real when you find out all this shit about like fuck island with with maxwell and epstein is real when you find out that the government really did do a thing called operation northwoods where they're planning on blowing up a drone jetliner and blaming it on the cubans and arming Cuban friendlies and having them attack Guantanamo Bay and kill American soldiers and they were going to blame this on Cuba so we could go to war with Cuba. He was telling me about that years ago too. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But then you read about it in the Freedom of Information Act and you're like, oh my God, this is all true. This right. is all true. He's, all he does is do that all day. His whole day. And that's the problem when you lean really heavily into the conspiracy side of things, you start to lose sight of what could be real and what could be fake and that's what's so sad is like, he is disregarded because of those things he got wrong. But you can't yeah. you can't be a public person and talk for a living, especially about these types of issues for as long as he has and not had some fucking things you were wrong about. His, I've had things I've been big, wrong about. Though. Yeah, his They're, his were big. The thing is about it's like little kids getting shot is the worst thing you could be wrong about. You know? Yeah, it's the worst. Not much that's worse. the problem. It's just I mean, it's being wrong about a thing. It's not doing a thing that's wrong. It's being wrong about a thing, but it's still Yeah, but I still say he didn't fucking kill anyone. He didn't fucking rape anyone. He has a right to move on from these things eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's what I think. But I think what he needs, honestly, like I tell him this all the time. Like he says so much wacky shit. But a lot of it's true. What mm -hmm. he needs is like a hardcore journalist as like if I was running yeah. a network and I had a show. I would have Alex Jones with like some hardcore, like objective journalist, and they would go over things. And Alex would talk about stuff, and this guy would pull up the data and the information. And go, hold on a second, Alex. Let's look at this. It's like a good idea. He would try, yeah, like someone who balances him out, because he'll go off the rails. He gets deeper and deeper. They're trying to depopulation. They're trying to ruin our lives. Child rape. They're trying to bring us into camps. Yeah. And you go, well, they're not going to bring anybody into camps. Alex, it's 2021. And then you watch Australia. And then there's like camps in Australia where people are going because of COVID. It's like you lose your fucking mind sometimes when you realize that he is right about some of these but things. But then the Australians are like defending it. You don't understand our country. It's oh, just yeah. a camp. And it's they'll no post big deal. propaganda nice pictures. Yeah. yeah. They posted propaganda pictures of like these like hot models, like chilling, sun tanning, all this shit. And it's like. They're doing TikToks in the camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's they like are. just some hot bitch in a bikini doing yeah. a TikTok. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, but that's what is the difference between here and Australia is I think we have guns. That is a big difference. And I think that that severely mitigates the amount of tyranny we can face. Although, if you would have asked me two years ago if we'd be where we are here, I would have said no. No well, fucking way. This is America. So many factors just all came together in one moment in history. Right, all so much fear, and then isolation, mm -hmm. and then anxiety, and then this new crazy perspective that these pharmaceutical drug companies are looking out for you, which is like they've never been looking out for you. But that's what's crazy is that so this this blind faith in big pharma, from what I can see, seems to be coming from the left in recent years. Yeah. But traditionally, they were very distrustful of big pharma. It's just because that. You know that Trump guy got out of office. If Trump was still in office, like you said, they would all be anti-pharmaceuticals. Yeah. It would be anti. It would be really interesting to see, like what, where this country would be in terms of therapeutics, and what our perspective would be about vaccine in injuries if Trump was still president. Because if like, 
there was a VAERS report, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. If that report, reporting system was active the way it is now, with the same numbers it has now, but Trump was president, it would be really interesting to see how they blamed him and what they would say about this and yeah. what they would say about the fact that these pharmaceutical companies are they're immune to legal threats like they're immune to responsibility because of the uh, emergency use authorization mm -hmm. i saw a headline today that was like pfizer ceo says another shot will be needed and i'm like who the fuck elected the pfizer ceo yeah. to tell me what i have to put in my body to be a part of society well they're Did we vote on this no that you can definitely listen to them they have no vested interest in you taking another shot it's not like they make any more money off of it right it's fine don't sweat it. And all this, this Omicron, even though it's killed zero people ever, it might kill somebody someday. And we have to act now. Right. And it's and it's the unvaccinated people's fault that the Omicron is here. And it's a it's a virus of the unvaccinated, apparently. Yeah. Even though the first cases were shown in vaccinated people. In California. It's also, no, it was or in no, Africa. It came to California. Yeah. And it was a vaccinated person in California, too. Well, not a vaccinated person, a boosted person. Yeah. Vaccinated <laughs> and boosted. That's the guy. I think it was in New York. But the thing is, it's like they're, they're blaming it on South Africa, but the people that showed up positive, all of them were from other countries, and they traveled to South Africa and then showed symptoms of it. They could have easily brought it with them. Mm -hmm. And this is what the South African people are saying. They're like, we don't have a problem with this virus. Like, the people brought it here, and now you're saying that they're, you're going to ban travel from South Africa, and that's what they've done. That's what the Biden administration has done. Like, one of Bridget Fetesi's friends is stuck over in South Africa. Oh, Can't, really? Yeah, they were, wow. went over there on a vacation. Like, oh, fuck. Right, but travel bans are racist if it's a Republican president that does. Yes, and for some reason, you're allowed to call it the South Africa strain. Right. How come? Right. Why, thought, it's because it's, it's different rules when you can't call it the China virus, but you can call right. it the South African strain. Right. So here's my question. So I'm 28, and you're older than me. 54. Okay. And have you ever seen anything like this before, nothing, nothing where it's like papers this. to go to Applebee's and nothing. no, no, it's never happened before. It's okay. Never, it didn't even happen during the Spanish flu. Right. A lot of fucking people died during the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu is way worse than this. Because we talked to uh, Joey's grandmother, who's 97, and worked for the CIA her entire life. So Jesus. She probably knows she crazy probably knows shit. Some shit. Her, actually, her whole family worked for the CIA. Ask her about UFOs. I, okay, so I did. Yeah? And she looks at me with the most stoic, like... And then she just looked away. Like, she pretended like she didn't hear me. I'm like... Okay, <laughs> there's Whoa. something she knows, and she's not the kind of person to like mess with you. Like she legitimately probably process like, Can and I then tell just this bitch? No, yeah, this bitch is not <laughs> this loudmouth bitch. What she do? Talk shit on the internet for a living? Okay, <laughs> I would be true. here so quick, being like, I know someone on the CIA. Right, you got um, a YouTube channel. Yeah, and yeah. Ready to press play. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but yeah, but she said when I asked her, "Have you ever seen anything like this before?" Because she's 97. Right. She said, hell no. No, this is as bad as it's ever gotten in terms of the the lack of uh, the, 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 the lack of rational thinking, the, the, the tribalism, the the belief in the government that they have your best interest, the fact that they, yeah. they lie to you on a constant basis and people are just soaking it up. What's interesting is this belief that I think everyone has that our government has been capable of evil incorrect things in the past but they never believe that they're capable of it in the moment so right. we can admit that all these like human rights violations have occurred slavery 
like what we did to the Asians, what we did to that group, that group. So you think that this can't be anything similar to that? Well, how about the Tuskegee experiment? Which Tell me about on, that. I don't. That is when, and I believe Google this. I, I believe the Tuskegee experiment was run by the CDC. Make sure that's correct. So what they did was, they had African Americans who had syphilis, and they pretended to give them treatment for syphilis, but they didn't. They gave them nothing. And then they allowed them to go and infect their family, infect their wives, infect their children that were born through that. When was, was this? Yeah, it was done by the CDC. 1932. Okay, between 1932 and 1972. So this it's a is a time. 40 fucking year wow. experiment. This was happening while I was alive. I was a, a small child at the time, but this was happening while I was alive. The Tuskegee experiment or the Tuskegee syphilis study was an ethically abusive study. That's a fucking, that's a minor way of putting it. Right. Conducted between 1932 and 1972 by the United States Public Health Service and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. The one that we're talking about now, Holy the CDC, shit. that's the group. Different people, obviously. On a group of nearly 400 African Americans with syphilis. The purpose of the study was to observe the effects of the disease when untreated, though by the, bo though by the end of the study, it was entirely treatable. So by the end of the study, they had penicillin. They had a treatment for it. The men were not informed of the nature of the experiment, and more than 100 died as a result. So 100 out of 400 died. They could have totally been treated, and they would have been fine. The public health service started the study in 1932 in collaboration with the Tuskegee University, <clears throat> excuse me, and then, then the Tuskegee Institute, a historically black college in Alabama. In the study, investigators enrolled a total of 600 impoverished African-American sharecroppers from Macon County, Alabama. Of these men, 399 had latent syphilis with a control group of 201 men who were not infected. As an incentive to for participation in the study, the men were promised free medical care. Jesus Christ. Wow. While the men were provided with both medical and mental care that they otherwise would not have received, they were deceived by the PHS who never informed them of their syphilis diagnosis and provided disguised placebos, ineffective methods, and diagnostic procedures as treatment for, in quotes, bad blood. The men were initially told the experiment was only going to last six months, but was extended to 40 years. After funding for treatment was lost, the study was continued without informing the men that they, would, that they would never be treated. None of the infected men were treated with penicillin, despite the fact by 1947, the antibiotic was widely available and had become the standard treatment for syphilis. That is wild that's insane shit. and it really lends to the fact that there is a huge portion of the black community that's vaccine hesitant yeah so for all the talk that there is about how this is a far-right thing to somehow be trustful of of vaccines it's really just not true and then you think of cities like new york city where there's a vaccine passport and you can't go to restaurants and stuff it's like you're literally segregating black people I think the number is in the high, it's in the 70% yeah. range of, of African-Americans in New York City that are unvaccinated. Yeah. And I follow a lot of Instagrams that are geared towards black people. And you see like the shade room, for example, and you see all the comments when a vaccine is talked about. And all the comments are like, 
from black people being like, yeah, this is bullshit. I'm never taking it, never taking it. It's like mainstream thought in a lot of segments of that community. Whereas it's treated as if it's some far right, white, hillbilly thing. And it's like, actually, no. Well, that was when they came after me. And they came after me for saying that I got better quick. Instead Instead of looking at what I did, and saying, what is he taking? Like, how how this work? The big one that I took, I pr- I'm pretty sure all of them helped. But I think the big one was monoclonal antibodies. If somebody right. asked me, do you think that ivermectin was what cured you? I'm like, I'm sure it helped. But I really think that monoclonal antibodies had the most effect because I've given it to people or had it given to people that I knew that had COVID that didn't get ivermectin. And they got better quick, mm-hmm. really quick, like within 24 hours. Same as what happened with me. And I think... All those things helped. But the fact that they were upset about that and never focused for a second on the fact that I got better so quickly, that's what people should be looking at. I was better in five days. Like, not just better, but testing negative and working out in five days. Wow. That's that's something that, and again, I'm not young. I'm 54. So that's what people should be looking at. But that's not what they looked at. And just the fact that it's not allowed to be, like... Your autonomy and your own right to make decisions about your body and your health is so removed from the conversation at this point that it's a taboo to even bring it up or talk about it. You're not allowed to discuss whether or not this option's right for you, the vaccine's right for you. It's not. It's just yeah. you're treated. We, we have these new categories of people, two new classes of people, the vaccinated and unvaccinated. But then you think of like that's the MO of the media is creating categories, putting them against each other. And now you have literally half the population, not half, it's less than half that's not vaccinated. It's so ironic that if Trump was still in office and we still had the same results, the narrative would be completely different. It'd be the Trump vaccine. That also goes back to living in two different realities. There are a lot of people that think that Biden created the vaccine. I've seen that said because people started getting vaccinated in the Biden administration. So all these fucking idiots are just like, yeah, Biden brought the vaccine. It's like, y'all are just shit. He's creating he's, shit <laughs> it is, in his pants. In my pants. He's probably like two years away from them removing him. I would imagine. I don't. I don't think. I that, don't see him making a full term. I, I, if he does, it'll be a miracle of science. They'll be juicing him up with all kinds of shit. Right. I don't want anything to happen to him, but I cannot foresee. No, I don't want anything to happen. Four to him years from now, no. him still. I mean, you just see the decline. Like, if you watch interviews from even the beginning of, like, the election cycle, when he was first announcing his candidacy, it's like, he just seems more there. He's a lot less there now. Well, the stress. Stress of the job wrecks everybody. Obama got a a ton of gray hair during his term. The only one that didn't affect is Trump. Went like fucking water on a duck. He just fucking shook it off. I don't know how that was. I mean, I know he gained a lot of weight. He's always fat. But, yeah, he got fatter. Did he get fatter? I think he got a little fatter. Probably was celebrating. Yeah, honestly. I'm the president. I'm going to eat fucking McDonald's. Honestly. It's, there is something about, like, the Trump era that I kind of miss, in a sense, but I don't want him to run again. I voted for him the first time. I voted for him both times. But Did you really? Yeah. That's why people think you're far right. Exactly. But, like, that's, it's, like, participating in, like, the election and just choosing the lesser of two evils suddenly puts you on... A far end extreme. I don't get it. I voted for Gary Johnson, and then I voted for Joe Jorgensen. So I voted Libertarian both times. So you're also why people say Trump happened because you voted for third party. I voted in a call in a country that, or a state rather, should be a country, a state where it always goes blue, no matter what. It's almost like you have 
your your vote yeah. barely count. Yeah, I voted California. in California for Trump. Didn't fucking matter. It was almost just like a let's it's, wake up and go. There's vote. not a chance in hell that a, a Republican's going to win in California unless something wild happens, which is kind of happening. Yeah, I was shocked that Newsom wasn't recalled. I mean, I guess part of me wasn't, but I had moved right before the recall election, and so all my friends were like all uptight about it. And I'm like, peace. I wasn't because the thing is like Larry Elder was the most prominent person on the other side and he's a t radio guy yeah it's like he's not like some beloved character where everybody was like like when Arnold Schwarzenegger won when um, Gray got was it Gray was his name who was the I don't know I forget who the I was pretty uh, young the guy that Schwarzenegger replaced uh, but but when he got recalled, he was the first guy to get recalled, and Schwarzenegger won as a Republican. That was crazy. That was. I'm sure. I was really young. But, yeah, so you didn't have your hat in for Caitlin. I thought about having her on the podcast. <laughs> I think you absolutely should. I think she's a very misunderstood person. So I she invited me to dinner a couple years ago, and I went, and she just talked. Was it just her, her and you? It was me, her, and her girlfriend. It was like a romantic girlfriend, I believe, which is another thing. But um, she's a very nice person. She just, I think, is has been so famous for so long that it kind of has like warped her reality in a way. Mm. But that it, that doesn't happen to everyone though, because I don't get the feeling like you have a warped sense of reality. You're very down to earth, and she wasn't like cocky or like that it was just like she, you could tell she saw the entire lens through how people perceived her and yeah. her entire worldview you have to invest your time in things that are absolute if you live in a ethereal world this sort of like fucking vapor world of fame it's a f strange world that yeah. ebbs and flows with public opinion you can't rest your own self-belief and your own identity on other people's opinions. It's too no. volatile. You'll fucking it's kill yourself. It's not, it's not sane. It's not rational. I invest an extraordinary amount of time in things that are undeniable, like whether it's rigorous exercise or archery or stand-up comedy. If you're not funny, like they'll give you a minute or two if you're famous. They'll give you a minute. You'll have like a minute on stage, and then like, where's the jokes, bro? Where's the jokes? Like mm -hmm. they're drinking and they're out. And they want you to suck. Like if you if you if you're not funny, then they want you to suck because then yeah. it's fun. Then, then it's, it's a great funny. story. I went to see him and he fucking bombed. Like those the, the, that world is a world of absolutes. Jujitsu is a world of absolute. You either get tapped or someone taps you. It's real simple. You're trying to strangle each other. Like wh how does it go down? Like when someone's trying to survive and they're trying to get you and you're trying to get them, that's a world of absolutes. Mm -hmm. The things that I like are things like I like playing pool because either the ball goes in the hole or it doesn't. There's no, it doesn't like you. It doesn't give a fuck like uh, how many TV shows you've been on or how many podcast episodes you've done. They don't, it, the balls don't give a fuck. They don't know. Right. So either knock the ball in the hole or not. You either win the game or you lose. And those there's a reason why I spend so much time invested in these things that are undeniable and absolute. It's because I think that's the only way to stay sane. 100%. As, as the world goes loopy and then 
your world is even more loopy because you're famous. Like that's a fucked up world. Like you have to have a lot of objective thinking and a lot of introspective thought, and then you have to be very self-critical. You have to be the yeah. kind of person that can be self-critical but not hate themselves. I can't even imagine being like truly like. So when I met Caitlin at dinner, the way I knew she had arrived was millions of flashes outside. Uh, we were at Craig's in in oh, but L.A. See, she's but she up goes at Craig's to Craig's, and going in the front door. Exactly. I go to Craig's too. I go in the fucking alleyway. Exactly. She I pulled up at the, the front with her girlfriend, dressed to the nines, and it was like that was intentional. And maybe it was almost to like. It's one hundred percent intentional. Well, it's yeah. part of the gig. She's a male Kardashian. She was the Kardashian. Or yeah. she was a male. She's a. She's not a guitarist. Biologically, whatever it is, she's right. a part of that clan. Exactly. She was a part of the Kardashian clan. That and that's is, a fucked up world. That is a crazy world. But there also was a few tidbits of like our conversation that let me know she wasn't completely out of her mind with fame because she brought up Kylie Jenner to me. She's like, oh, my daughter Kylie has a makeup company. And just said it in a way like as if I wouldn't know who her daughter Kylie was and just a small makeup company or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, then you don't just assume I know who your whole family is. But right. but she was nice. It was just, I couldn't imagine being that famous because even just with the attention I have online, it can be very mentally distressing. You can wake up and like just have a near panic attack just looking at your phone. So I've been trying to work out before I even look at my phone in the morning. I don't even look at my phone. I take it to another level. I don't read any of my shit. Oh, really? You don't read comments? or Okay, so, yeah, I, I've definitely gone in that route as well. I don't really read comments. I only read Instagram comments because they tend to be nicer. But, like, YouTube, Twitter men mentions, no. Yeah, YouTube and Twitter seem to have, uh, <laughs> they've cultivated uh, an environment of, like, ruthless criticism and, and, and shit talking, which yeah. people enjoy. Like, people enjoy being able to talk shit about a guest or talk shit about the way you handle a guest or, you know, talk shit about you. And they should be able to, but well, I don't think I have, I don't feel as though it. I have any obligation to sit there and be like, this person thinks I'm ugly, this person thinks I'm stupid, no. this person called me a man. Like, I don't feel like I have to do that. You don't have to do that. I used it's to not like healthy to. for you. Yeah. It's not healthy. It's not good for your brain. It's like, you can't, you can't process that many people's opinions. And I feel... That if you're honest with yourself and you're self-critical, you'll do a good job of trying to improve upon your own faults. Like if yes. I do something in a podcast and I don't like it, like it'll fuck with me like in the middle of the night. Like maybe I have to get up to take a leak in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh, why do I say it that way? I should have said it differently. Because it, when you're in the middle of talking, like right now, right this very second, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to say next. I'm just talking, right? And sometimes it'll go sideways, <laughs> you know, so, and sometimes I'm tired or sometimes I worked out too hard, or sometimes I'm too stoned, and I'm like, what am I even saying while I'm saying it? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, And now also, if you really tweak about it, you'll think about the fact that millions of fucking people are listening. It's scary, and then also, like, I've also adopted this sort of mindset of, like, not believing positive comments or negative comments, because who am I to sit here and really take in someone saying, you're my hero, and you mean right. all this to me? It's because, first of all, you don't fucking know me. Even if you love me and are completely nice and, and accolades and whatever you don't know me and also from living in LA for the time that I did and just knowing people in the industry or whatever it's like some of the people who are the most loved online are the fucking most monstrous people in real life in <laughs> fact this is almost a rule and then people who are severely hated tend to be the nicest most awesome people look at Alex Jones yeah. he's so hated he's like the, one of the nicest people I've met yeah well but you see the pathway. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you see it with some people where they were loved and then people found out shit about them, like Christy Teigen. 
and they just start yeah, telling kids to kill themselves. Yeah. That's Whoa. a level of egregious that I'm like, I'm not about cancel culture, but like maybe timeout culture for this bitch. Cause <laughs> you can't be fucking messaging. And also she got a double whammy because the girl that she told to kill herself came out as non-binary. So now she's like oh. bashing a non-binary person too. Well, okay. What does that mean? I don't fucking when know. When you come out as non-binary, when you come out as like, so you don't identify as male or female, you're, you're coming out as that. Like what, okay, I'm coming so out as gonna indecisive. Happen? I'm it's coming like, out as indecisive. Exactly. So that's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm just going to come out as indecisive. <laughs> I'm going to say that that's not, not even a gender thing or a sexual just orientation unsure. thing. Just about life. I'm coming out as indecisive. I'm a fence rider. I mean, honestly, that's probably a little healthier than a lot of other mindsets. But yeah, I don't know. The non-binary thing, like, so when I came out as trans, it was like I came out and people knew what to expect next. It's going to be some changes, maybe some of them physical. You come out as non-binary, it's like... What does that mean? Yeah. Okay. When Love it. When did you start your YouTube channel? 2016. 2016. And so you had been out for how long at that point in time? Uh, 2016 was about five years ago. So like three years but three i hadn't years. had any surgeries when i started oh. i paid for surgery through youtube oh shit so yeah. youtube funded your transition mm -hmm. wow yeah which how is long not did it cheap. take for your channel to become popular um well popular is relative it's like but i started making the way i gauge it is i started making a living off of it about six months in wow yeah six That's months pretty in fucking good yeah and then all of a sudden the possibility of transitioning became a lot more real because I was like, oh, I'm having money put in my account every month because of this shit. And what what do you think started the popularity? Like what what was it that made people gravitate towards your channel? Because like there was a lot of options. Even back then, there's way more options now. But back then, there was quite a few options. Like mm -hmm. how did you get people to come to your channel? Well, I, f I believe I filled a niche. Right. So like, are there really other right wing perspectives from a trans person online? Maybe Caitlin, but that's a whole other thing. You know what right. I mean? So and I think that also, even though I'm a political commentator by title, I don't just stick to that. I like to make videos about my life. I'll make videos about my childhood. Should I endured through life and just being very personal? And I film all my videos pretty much in my bedroom or my living room. People feel like they're in my house with me. Right. But that's also something that's dangerous and people start to feel too close to you and then mm. they get very invested in your real life they start trying to tamper with your real life which has happened to me mm. so if, like if i go too long without posting with like joey or something then it's like you cheated on blair you guys broke up it's like <laughs> yeah so and yeah. then he gets called gay every five minutes yeah yeah his whole comment sometimes i look at his phone and just look through his comments and it's like gay faggot gay <laughs> gay gay i'm like why are you with me how are you how are you happy with it does he just blow it off he doesn't care that's that's healthy. Yeah, yeah. I think it takes a certain amount. Of, like, it takes a certain personality. Yeah, and I think men who date trans women get probably more hate than trans women. I would say. Yeah. It's like a whole. Well, other thing. I don't know about that. From my perspective, I don't get. I mean, I get hate for other reasons, like my beliefs and all that kind of shit. But I very rarely get hate. Like, oh, you're a fucking tranny. But maybe if he had a channel, does he have a channel? Yeah, Does but he? he doesn't really do it a lot, but he posts them. But if he did it a lot and he had like a lot of followers like you do, maybe he wouldn't because then people would know him for other things other than just the fact that he dates you. Yeah, and that's his, that's his claim to, <laughs> to deal with YouTube fame is just dating me. It's really funny. He'll get stopped in the mall like, are you Blair White's? It's like, whatever. Are you Blair White's bitch? <laughs> that's probably the word they use. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. 
The mall is the worst place to talk to people about important things. It's like, dude, I had like, (laughs) it was like a couple months ago, like right before I moved. And I don't want to sound like I'm talking shit because it was very sweet. But this um, girl and her mom came up and this girl is an adult. I say girl, but adult. And she starts bawling, like bawling, being like, I transitioned because of you and you changed my life and all this shit. And she just kept going and going and going. And I felt so, because that's part of like not believing positive comments. It's like, I don't right. know how to accept people being right. nice in that way. I don't know. Yeah, do it's hard. Well, it's hard. You don't really know the person. Then you just meet them one day and this outpouring of emotion comes from this person that you've never met before. And they have this in- insane connection to you. So, because like what we're doing, we're both doing the same thing, you and I, right? We're putting out, our opinions on things and our thoughts on things and some people it resonates and some people it infuriates right and so you might meet someone that fucking loves you and you've never met them before or you might meet someone that fucking hates you and you never yeah. met them before and both of them are equally crazy yeah and, and in a strange way equally as valid however you take me is like how you fucking take me right but this is another one of the really big realizations I had doing DMT so we should talk about that okay. so since doing DMT, which I did it two weeks ago, I did it twice in two weeks, I had this like overwhelming sense of like, some people do DMT and then they start seeing people as NPCs. I've heard that talked about. Like they start seeing people as like, these are not real people with souls and like, I, that's strange to me. Who said that? I see it all the time. People's like, I've had friends that do it and they start seeing people as NPCs based on what kind of trip they had. Like if they saw the elves or didn't, if they just saw cool colors or didn't. And for me, I'm Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying that if people have a DMT trip and they didn't see the elves and they think of that person who had that DMT trip as an an NPC? As like an NPC, like you don't have like a soul because you didn't really connect with like any beings. You just saw pretty colors like a, you had a very simple experience. You know what I mean? Um, But I had the opposite from after doing DMT. I see so much more humanity in everyone I'm around. Like I feel very changed after doing DMT. It's a very profound experience. And like I'm just noticing more things about people. I'm being more aware of like their body language when they talk to me. And it's, I think it was a very positive thing doing DMT. And my experience was the closest thing to a spiritual experience I've ever had because I've never been a person that's been terribly connected to like anything larger than me. I'd never been religious, never been spiritual. And I'd say it was the closest to like a spiritual thing for me. I think it is a spiritual thing. Yeah. I think it's an undeniably spiritual thing. And that's the thing about it is like it forces you to think about love and connection and then the bonds that people have with each other in a yes. way that you don't get from anything else. The, 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 the powerful experience of a transcendent psychedelic moment is uh, it's not like anything else you experience in life other than maybe like a near death experience. Yeah. But, but th- you could argue that th- they're the same thing. I know people that have had near-death experiences that swear that it was like a DMT trip. I'm sure. And there, I think I, I don't think, think it's confirmed, but people say that it's what happens when you yeah. legally die or medically die. It's like you have a DMT trip. Yeah, and I, I could see that. But it's not confirmed, but there's a lot of, in, you know, there's a lot of evidence that points to that. I could see that. And it, in a way, made me, like, less fearful of death. Because I was like, if this is what happens at the end, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I'm okay with it going out like that. Like, it's you just get this for me at least. When I first was hitting it, and then like you start to leave the planet, I felt like this intense like set of rings going around my body, like of just warmth and like happiness and love. And then all of a sudden, I'm like in space, <laughs> and um, and I did see an elf, which is what people call them. There's what like they a, look like. 
um, kind of like a court jester, and it had like oh, slinky shit. long arms. And it was, and it sounds like crackhead shit if you've never done no, DMT. I no, saw I know a bunch not of to court you, but too. a lot of people have a shared yeah. like physical description of what these things look like. One of my most profound experiences, I, there was a bunch of court jesters give me the finger. Just flipping you off. They're like, fuck you. Like, openly mocking me. And I was like, what? Killing and your ego. I ego re- well, I realized I take myself too seriously. Like, as they were doing it, I was like, I know what you're saying. And they went like this. <laughs> like, <"Aha, laughs> like, chill out. That's it. I Like, I got it. Like, while they were doing it, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. And yeah. they're like, mm-hmm. That's the thing. Is like yeah. they a common experience people who meet the elves or the jesters whatever you want to call them they have like something to like teach you so for me it was kind of similar to learning not to take myself seriously but it was more so don't take life so fucking seriously trust the process of life because i'm someone who even though i like to think i have my life pretty together i still worry about everything so much all the time i'm always stressed out and the elf was telling me like does everything have to be a fight blair is everything a war Whoa. Are you worried about everything? Like, kind of clowning me a little bit, literally, because it's kind of clownish. Like, really? Is everything that serious? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll just chill out. <laughs> yeah. It was, And it was, like, that simple. I was like, okay, I'll chill. It's, it's good that you can grasp that and have that experience and learn from it, because a lot of people can't, and that's when they have bad trips, because they try to fight it, and they try to resist. No, I'm not fighting anything. And then, and then all yeah. of a sudden, you're... In this fucking death spiral. That was my mistake with shrooms. Uh. I did shrooms um, about a year ago. It was actually when I was evacuating LA because the riots went up with some friends in the mountains. Let's do shrooms. Um, And it was my first time doing it. And the person who was supplying said shrooms basically gave me a huge plate like this big stacked it, covered it in shrooms, and said, eat all of them, which is very irresponsible for How someone's first grams? time. I don't know. I just oh know it was God. a plate covered Show in shrooms. Show me the size of the plate. Give me an example. Oh, my God. So this is It like was a, like a dinner plate. Like when you'd go to, like, Ruth's Chris and have a steak. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it was shrooms. And I have never done shrooms in my life. I had, I had no... Because until you do a psychedelic, you have no concept of a psychedelic. Right. Like, weed isn't anything close to it, not even the same planet. So I ate all of it. We walked down to the water and then the whole world changed. But the difference between shrooms and DMT is like, to me, with shrooms, you're still on Earth, even though Earth's heavily distorted. And that's because you have your eyes open and you're walking around. That's true. DMT, you leave Earth. If you were in silent darkness, if you were alone by yourself in the dark and you were laying down on mushrooms and just closed your eyes, it'd be very similar. Oh, okay. That that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. We were walking around and there's something about doing it like, we were in this neighborhood in Big Bear with all these like cabins and like I was started getting so freaked out that everyone was just watching from their houses. And it was me and five people. Um, and so we were, we were all tripping, walking back to the cabin from the water, holding hands, oh. walking slowly. Like, oh my God. And I was like, are people looking? Are people looking? They probably are. Look at these freaks holding hands. No, yeah, for sure. Balls. And we were all like social media people or whatever. We were like, people are going to film this. It's going to be on YouTube tomorrow. Wow. Be fun. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have been ashamed. It's. But. It's um, not the best idea to do that publicly. A no. lot of people wind up doing that. They do it publicly and they trip balls and they walk around. But or to eat a whole fucking plate. Yeah. I should have had one little shroom. That's a good way to start. Yeah. A good way to start is like one and you get like a little feeling. Maybe like like a do-a-gram. You know, nothing crazy. Yeah. Before you want to get into like the three to five gram, like yikes. Like, I think it's also very important to do it when you're 
maybe in a good place in life. Like I would never want to do it if I was in a bad place. Like when I did shrooms, half of my trip was really, really scary and really bad because I was in a bad mindset. Like LA was on fire. I was escaping. I felt unsure about the world. Um, Right before we uh, tripped, it was like a news report, like Trump going into a bunker as protesters ascend upon the White House. And I was like, let me escape this. I don't I don't think it's good to use it like as escapism shrooms. Did Trump have to go to a bunker? Is that real? I think they I think he denied it after that. But I remember in D.C. when it was the riots happening and I think they moved Trump to a safe place. I'm sure he would deny it. But but when I did DMT. Um, I did it very recently and I'm in like one of the best places of my life recently. Like I'm in a new city that I'm actually really enjoying, even though it was a tough transition at first. Been through a couple of those. Um, but I'm just very happy. So I wasn't escaping anything. I was like, mm-hmm. teach me what you have to teach me. Right. Yeah. And then the second time I went even farther. But It's um, it's very bizarre that it's so there. It's so easy to get to. It's just 15 seconds away. It's one of the most insane experiences that a, a human being could possibly encounter. Yeah. It's, if that was a, if there was a thing that you could do, like a ride at Disneyland, it would be a mile long, mile long line to get into that fucking thing. Right. Everybody would be like, oh, I want to go on that ride. Right. Because it's so fucking crazy. Yeah. And just the fact that, I don't know. So I had a lot of, resistance towards ever trying psychedelics for a while because I did grow up in a household where everyone was addicted to drugs and my brother was in prison for selling drugs and heroin and all that kind of shit right um so I was like I'm I'm never gonna do drugs but then like I just see psychedelics a bit different it's not it's not meth it's not any of that shit they are very 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 different Yeah, yeah it's a whole different thing and like it's really hard to even articulate what the trip is with DMT specifically without ever doing it. So like people were telling me about the elves and I was like, y'all are crackheads. Don't tell me about some fucking elves I'm about to meet. Have you ever heard the expression entheogen? Mm-mm, what's that? Th- that's what psychedelics are. I-, I think if you Google the term entheogen, I think it's uh, of God. I think that's something, something of God. That uh, the idea is that these things are doorways to the divine. Like that, there's there's really a place that you can go to, and you go to through a chemical doorway in your mind through things that exist on this earth that people have to share. They have to tell you about it, and they share them. Mm-hmm. And that through these experiences, you you can transcend your time here on earth and get a, a perspective that's not available any other way. So entheogen means uh, chemical substance, plant origin, ingested to produce an extraordinary sense of consciousness. Yeah, but what is the, um, if that's just the definition of it, but there's a root of the word. Like, where does the word entheogen come from? Google that. Because it means something. See, I was definitely religious. Yeah, it, it means something that has to do with God. Let's see here. Well, it makes perfect. nomenclature. There it goes. Makes perfect sense to me. Uh, full of God, inspired, possessed. That's it. So it, it, mm. it translates to in English as full of God. So what is it from Greek? Yeah, it's from ancient Greek. That's that's what it is. That's a better word for these things than drugs. The problem with the term drug is it's all it's a blanket term that you could use for caffeine, you use for nicotine, you use for Chocolate alcohol. And, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of drugs. Yeah, adrenaline's a drug. And while I'm sure it's possible, 
I can't imagine after now doing DMT twice, I can't imagine someone becoming like addicted to it. Oh, I wouldn't I mean, know about that. I know a guy who was a tattoo artist that was doing DMT every fucking day, multiple really? times a day. And then finally the entities had to sit him down and go, hey, motherfucker, Chill. stop, stop. Like you're going to lose your grip on this world. Wow. Yeah. They liter literally told him to stop doing it, he said. See, it's such an intense experience for me that I couldn't imagine wanting that every day. It's kind of like I did it and I'm good for a while. This guy's an intense guy. That's fucking he's, nuts. He's a wild dude. He's uh, an artist who does uh, biomech tattoos. You know that biomech type of art? You know no, what I'm talking about? No. Biomech. See if you can Google like biomech art. My buddy has a, a sleeve done by this dude. His um his art's incredible. That's, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But his is more like that, like that, exactly like that. So it's like almost like alien. That's cool. Yeah, like that kind of shit. That's that's a certain a certain style of tattooing called biomech, and this dude was fucking. He's well, he is still elite at it. That's a cool thing to specialize in that type of tattoo. Yeah, that's a little different. That's not quite. That's more like it. That's more like it. That wow. kind of it's all this weird sort of alien looking fucking trippy I shit. I would imagine you have to be an intense guy to even know how to do that, so Yeah. Well it's also to specialize in that one particular style of art. It's like his v vision of life was like all mm -hmm. fucked up and distorted and twisted. One of the people I did DMT with wasn't told to like not do DMT anymore by the owls, but was told like, you know, you don't have to come back anymore. Almost ah. in a gentle way. Like we came out of our trips and the friend was like, they told me I don't have to come back anymore. I'm like, how many times have you done it? He's like nine. I'm like, maybe take a break then. I've you know? done it nine. I've done it more than nine. Yeah. Yeah, I think I haven't done it in a couple of years though. So maybe I could get back in there and have a conversation. But the, like I said, the last time that I did it was probably the most intense and the most weird because when they were giving me the finger. But it was yeah. like, it was, I've never like, but it's just, I think sometimes what we, what people do and what I've certainly done is you protect yourself from criticism or you protect yourself from your own analysis of your, your correct and incorrect thoughts and actions mm -hmm. by bullshitting yourself. And one of the, the ways that you realize if you're bullshitting yourself is like, how do you react to satire? How do you react to being mocked? How do you react to people not taking you seriously? Do you go, ah, that's their prerogative. Good luck. Or right. do you go, fuck them. I'm going to fucking make a response video. Ooh. Right. You know, and the the aliens or the whatever they were, the jesters, and they all had the little bells, the, the little hats with yeah, the Yeah, it's bells. so crazy. They look ding, like ding, ding, little ding. courtyard. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. They, they, but they were going like this. Fuck you. And they were That's like hilarious. openly mocking me. And my initial response was, hey. And then I realized like, oh, and they were like, ah, <laughs> that's it. You got it. I was like, They're kind right, of sarcastic. Oh, yeah. Well, they know your bullshit. They know yeah. all of your nonsense. They know all of your thoughts. They know, I mean, whatever the fuck they are, whether they're a part of your consciousness or whether these are intelligent entities in another dimension that you're interacting with. See, that is what I've been questioning since doing this. So I was told by a friend who's done DMT a lot that after you do DMT, pay attention to the real world. And if you believe that the elves are real beings that are independent of something created in your own brain due to the DMT, they'll like send you a sign. Right. And I was like, again, crackhead shit. No, I'm not going to meet the elves in real life. Right. Right. So 
One of the things in my first trip that they kept telling me was, this is not the end. This is not the end. They kept telling me that because I think I was asking them, like, is this what happens when you die? Like, what is this? They said the phrase, this is not the end multiple times. Directly after the trip, we go to a restaurant and I wasn't liking the energy. Like, there's like a glow after you DMT that you kind of want to maintain. And I didn't like the energy in the first restaurant. So I was like, let's leave. Went to another restaurant. What was wrong with the energy? The people were just weird. I don't know. It's like you create like a bubble when you do it with like friends and you're like, I don't like what they might do to our bubble. So then we go to another restaurant and there's a huge sign that just says, this is not the end on the thing. And I'm like, whoa, what? And then I looked at my friend who told me to look for signs and he's like, told you. Whoa. So I'm like, I mean, I'm not saying that I think that they really are beings. I'm going back and forth between that. You know what? I got the impression. I've got the impression of this before, but I got the impression after the last time that I did it that the world that you and I are operating in right now, like this conscious waking world of tangible physical objects that you can touch and feel and weigh, is like a thin sliver of veneer that we're existing in. We're existing in this thin sliver of space, and we're connected to this thing that we can't experience under normal conscious states. And this thing is constantly being affected and changed by what's happening in this thin sliver of veneer. So all the thoughts that you have, all the behavior that you exhibit, all the actions that you take, all of those things that exist in this thin veneer is affecting all of this that's going on in eternity. That there's this infinite space of whatever these things are, whether they're souls or interdimensional creatures or beings, but that the way you interact with other people has a direct effect on that world, and that world has a direct effect on the way you interact with people. Right. And that you have to develop some sort of harmony. And I think that people struggle to do that throughout history. And that's one of the reasons why religion is so, it's so common it's not just common, it's amongst all tribes, they've always had a belief, almost all of them, almost all major civilizations have had a belief in something larger than themselves. And whether it's gods, or the, whether it's uh, like the, the a lot of the Native Americans thought that a lot of their gods existed in nature, the gods of animals and coyotes were gods, and the sun was a god, and that these there's some larger than this current experience thing that we must pay homage to, that we must give praise to, that we, 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 we must feel the divine intervention of these other realms. And it just exists in all cultures, in all societies. And I think part of that is because there's moments in time where you recognize and you could have these moments in time, whether it's the birth of a child, whether it's true love, whether it's uh, just the bonding between friends in an incredible moment in life where you feel like you get a, just a chance for a second to peek your head through the clouds. There's something more. Yeah, and see that there's something more and that you're somehow or another connected to this. But our monkey bodies will not allow us to see it because to survive, you can't li really live in that realm for most of human history, if you wanted to survive, you had to be a barbarian. You yeah. had to be savage, you had to have knives and tools, and you have to be able to fight off predators and warring tribes that want to invade you. There was, you couldn't live in the spiritual realm. 
until they figured out how to stockpile ammunition and food and develop walls. Exactly. And then they started tripping balls. <laughs> right. Um, but that that is one of the first things, at least for me in my experience with DMT, both times I tripped, the first thing that happened other than those warm rings of love I talked about before is I felt my body disappear. Mm. I like almost part by part. I felt my hair disappear. I felt my hands disappear. I felt like the clothes I was wearing became like stupid. Like I, mm. it, I instantly lost sense of my body and like the meat that I'm here in. Um, and it's funny because leading up to doing it, my friend was like, I'm a little concerned that you're gonna go into this and like come out and be like, I'm a man, I need to fucking detransition, like to have some weird gendered crisis because of it. Um, Who thought that? Well, Michael was telling me like, like if you do it, I wonder if you're gonna have Malice? Yeah. Oh, that fucking idiot. Right, right, <laughs> right. So he was kind of tripping me out a little bit and I was like- He's so silly. I know he is. He's probably fucking with you. Probably. Um, he seemed genuinely concerned though. He's like, just, but, but I did Has it. Has he done it? I don't think so. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he the, needs it more than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but there's no concept of gender when you're tripping on DMT. Your no. body isn't a thing, so why would your gender be a thing? It's like compl- a different universe. No. Sensual. There's a there's a sense of sensuality though. I've seen like women, like female figures that were like yes. dancing sensually and touching geometric shapes. Yeah, and, and touching other female figures and yes. and touching other human bodies, like some what what represented human bodies. But the thing is like whatever the image that you're seeing, it only stays what that is for a second or two. And then it changes. And then it becomes something else. And it's like this constant Weird. And again, you sound like a crackhead if you're talking to someone who's I never know. had it before. I know. I, I filmed uh, a video, my DMT experience, and the whole time I was talking about it, I was like, 90% of people that watch it are going to think I'm a fucking crackhead now. Because, yeah. but, but once you experience it, you realize it is real. And for me, like I said, because I've never been connected to anything higher than me, maybe people will hear that and think that, oh, this is a very shallow, worldly person in the worst way. But I've never believed in God. I've never believed in like a sense of higher self. But I got that with DMT. Suddenly I was like, oh, this is really small, what we're in, mm. and almost completely inconsequential. Yeah, but in order to stay alive, the thing is we're so attached to the monkey body. That's what we have. We have primate bodies. And in order to stay alive, like this fucking thing right here, this is our ancestor, this chimp. I mean, not really. Not, hey, Grandma. Not, but that whatever that is is very similar to what we used to be. We used to be some weird, crazy, brutal primate. And now we're still pretty crazy and pretty brutal, but we're moving into some strange new realm where we're eventually gonna look like this. Like if you think about what that is versus what this is, like this is the direction we're going in and that's the direction we came from. And we're still trapped in this body of, of muscle and sinew and tissue and, and hormones and the, the need to breed and the need to be accepted by the community to, to achieve status so that your, your social status encourages yeah. more people to breed with you. Like this is all monkey shit. It's all the same shit. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I guess I've just really appreciated the sense of vastness that DMT gave me because yeah. I feel like I'm like an a more or less rather um, materialistic person suddenly. Like I tried to go to the mall the other day and I was like, maybe I should go get like a purse or buy some shit that costs way too much for no reason. And I was like, that seems stupid. Before that I would have been totally down. So Mm. it's just made me less attached to what is here. But you can go too far with that too. 
Yeah, you could lose your grip on the natural world and be a fucking hermit living in a cave somewhere just wanting to trip all day. I'll be that eventually. You like, think so? Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe not the tripping part, but like I see my life as like, I'm only going to be here doing shit like this for a little bit. Why do you say that? Because you're doing it now. Like if this, that's the thing that I have with people that like think one day I'm going to retire and this is going to be my golden years. Like, what are you talking about, bitch? Well, like, I want to wants to look at like the, the end of their life as being some like magic time where they're just going to be happy sitting around on the porch, drinking lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I just am a pessimist by nature and I see the direction that society is going in and it's kind of like just worrisome. And yeah. so I envision the antithesis of what we have now, which is the state more and more in your life, people telling you what to do, people in your shit, to the point where you can't go to a restaurant in some places without getting a medical procedure and then getting it checked by a minimum age worker at the front of the business. Yeah. Um, the opposite of that is like what? Me being in like the middle of nowhere with like some dogs. But chilling. then you might get bored and you might need more social interaction, more intelligent conversation. There might be a com you know, you, you might be more miserable that way than you are. Like, there's a certain amount of fun in being in the middle of this chaotic situation and being around like-minded people. And you go out to dinner with them and you go, what the fuck is going on? They're like, yeah, what so, is yeah. going on? Yeah. yeah. It's, there's fun to it. Like, I'm not encouraging society to go in this general direction in order for other people to have fun. I want to be clear. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that it's happening right now you can find solace in like-minded people. And then it actually makes the conversations more fun when people you, are out of their fucking mind. And you find a tribe. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I try very hard to not be tribalistic, especially when you're doing like political stuff and whatever. Like, I never really feel ho at home in a room full of conservatives. I've been invited to a lot of like, whether it's just like GOP events or- Have you gone to yeah, those? Like turning point some of type them, deals? Some yeah. of them type of shit. I did a, a talk with the Log Cabin Republicans a couple weeks ago. That's hilarious. The Log yeah. Cabin Republicans. Those are the gay Republicans. Are they really? Yeah. Is that why they call themselves Logs? <laughs> Is that what the Log Cabin's all about? I guess so. Um, oh my God. But, That's and, hilarious. And I met some lovely people, but I also never feel at home in it because it's just so tribalistic. It's so partisan. And for me, it's like I think of like all my friends met the closest people in my life. None of them have anything in common. So my best friend is a little person from Cuba, like a literal like he's has dwarfism. My second best friend is the only transgender refugee from Ghana. So she's from Africa and like has she's very different politically than me. And so is he. Um, then I have like an anarchist friend, Michael Malice, and I have like trans escort friends that I have. Then I have like very like necktie conservative friends. It's like, I like that. That none of my friends have a ton in common because I'm just attracted to individuals mm. rather than like this person thinks like me. So this is my friend. I have those, but I like having people that are completely different. The log cabin Republicans might be the bridge. That might be those. Those might be the people that can pull everybody together because they can check off all these ideological boxes right. in, in terms of like sexual orientation and being open minded to LBGTQ issues like, hey, you know, he's gay, but he's also conservative. Let's listen to him. Maybe he's got a point. Maybe he's a kind conservative. Well, that's the thing. So Michael Malice and I have discussed this theory that like the best way to red pill people is to achieve like acceptance of LGBT people in the right wing spaces because people aren't going to go to like r where the Nazis are basically you know what I mean you mean gab like gab we didn't find any Nazis like gab I was disappointed oh, we didn't look hard enough. you didn't look hard enough
But when you Find alienate when you alienate LGBT people, you're alienating their friends and their yes. family. You're alienating the girl who loves to go shopping with her gay best friend, teenage mm-hmm. girls. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like maybe just chill off that shit. Like there's a lot of values you probably shouldn't compromise on if you're like a true conservative. But like whether or not someone's like taking it up the ass or wants to be a girl, it's like that's your biggest. Fucking... It's the dumbest value to concentrate on. It is, but it's like the main value for so many of them. Well, it's a fear, and it's a it's a weird religious. Yes thing too because like in the bible you know homosexuality in the old testament is frowned upon but so is eating shellfish right so is wearing two different types of cloth you're supposed to stone your kids if they talk back oh i don't think conservatives really do that there's a lot of shit in the bible that's very wacky but they concentrate on the gay one for some i mean i don't know what it maybe back in the time see one of the um major theories about the advent of Christianity has to do with psychedelic drugs. It, uh, there's a, a guy named John Marco Allegro, and he was a um, he was an ordained minister, and he was on the Dead Sea Scrolls translation committee, of the group of uh, people that were translating the Dead Sea Scrolls. And um, he was also a theologian, so he was a, he was an ordained minister, but he became agnostic over the years because he was studying religion for so long, he's like, this is all kind of crazy. Like, so he's like, I'm just gonna like, I'm not gonna have any ideological perspective when it comes to religion. I'm, I'm agnostic, even though he was an ordained minister. So when he was hired, and when he was uh, brought on as this tr- part of one of the, the experts on languages to translate this, uh, the oldest known version of the Bible, and I think it's the only version of the Bible that we have that's in Aramaic. And when he translated Dead Sea Scrolls over. I believe it was over 14 years, he wrote a book called um, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. And what he said was that all of this stuff that you're reading is, you know, you're, you're, there's translations. You're translating things from ancient Hebrew, which is a language that's based on numbers. Right. Like ancient Hebrew letters doubled as numbers because there was no, there was no numbers. So the letter A was also the number one. So, like, it's really weird, but you got to... Re- think about this and I'm, I hope I'm not fucking this up but the way it was explained to me was that language in ancient Hebrew had numerical value that words had numerical value like the word love and the word God they had the same numerical value like okay. that the using these words in the certain like the way you would place the letters in the same it was because it had a number value to it that we don't think of when it gets right. translated to Greek into Latin to English yeah and so he read this all these years and he came to the conclusion that this is all a misunderstanding and that our version of what Christianity is it's a crazy book I have multiple copies of it Um, and I have original copies of it because it was bought up I believe it was bought up by the Catholic Church and then a guy named uh, Jan Irvin put it back into print a few years back but this book is essentially saying that all of Christianity was essentially about fertility rituals and consuming psychedelic mushrooms. And that the fertility rituals, because people fucking died so often back then, that you needed to have a lot of babies. Yeah. And people needed to constantly have babies. And how do you talk to God? Sure. And theogens, yeah. So his thought was, this. I, I think, or the thought is, that the reason why they didn't want people to be homosexual is because they wouldn't have children. And if you're homosexual and you're not having children, you're not helping to contribute sense, to the yeah. population because people are dying off. Like they would have 
rituals to try to bring babies into the world. They would like try to make people more pregnant, more you know, more fertile. They, had, they this was a fertility ritual was a big part of these ancient religions, right? Because infant mortality was so high, people died. If you got a fucking cut and it got infected, you're, you're dead. gone. You're dead. People died all the time. Right. They literally couldn't afford to just have gay people yeah. running around. Right. Yeah. That, and, I mean, that would be, make kind of sense if you were thinking about it from yeah. the context of people who lived. 8,000 plus years ago, whatever it was. I guess that's just why I've always had, I mean, I've always respected religious freedom. I, I see that it does something positive in many people I know's lives. And I think that that's great. Um, but I've, I've always been so removed from even like caring or understanding religion or why people think that like we should be reading books from thousands of years ago to determine how we live now. That's always been a very weird concept to me. Like, I've always been not an atheist because I don't even care enough to say atheist. I've always just been like, I don't care if there's a God or not. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I've thought about it, but it never to the point. I've always had this I, thing that, like, I'll find out or I won't find out. But once you did DMT, did that change? Well, that's the thing. I, I have that sense of a bigness now and that there's more, but I don't know if that's God. You should have a T-shirt that just says a bigness. So. <laughs> Sell it on your YouTube Bigly page. bigness. Just a bigness. That's what I think. The word, that's like the word I think it's of. Word. It's like a fucking bigness to like yeah. what it shows you. I like it. And, um. I'll wear it. <laughs> Give me a large. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bigness. I like it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's God per se. But maybe I is, do, though. maybe. But I, I do, I did get the sense that this like jester that was talking to me, this elf, this clown, this crazy bitch. She, I have the sense that she's been around me forever. It's crazy that you saw jesters too. Well, it's a common thing. Is it, jesters are common. I know I mean, elves are common. Yeah. Well, yeah, but to me, it looked like a, a courtyard. Like, and everything else was colorful. It was like colors you can't even describe. It was so beautiful. But then she was like black and white, mm. like a like a fucking jester. Like a jester. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and but that's that's what gets me questioning. Like, if these really are beings independent of what our brain could create or that actually exist on some level because there are like uniform experiences with certain things like on shrooms like oh the table's gonna warp and you're gonna look at your dog and your dog's gonna look funny and whatever but like to actually see like what we perceive to be like autonomous beings and for people to have similar recountings of what they look like it's gonna be like are those bitches real right because that's what's weird to me. It's like, you met the elves too? Yeah. Whereas when you do shrooms, it's like, oh, the tree looks funny too? Yeah. You know? Well, if you close your eyes, you can meet the elves too. I'm going to try to do that on shrooms. Yeah. I didn't know you could Oh, yeah. That, but... Silent darkness is the way to go. You'll see pyramids and hieroglyphics and you'll see aliens and UFOs and they'll tell you the earth is dying and they'll, they'll tell you. It's like n mushrooms tend to be... There's a, like a lot of apocalyptic vision that's attached to like extraterrestrial ideas that are. That happened my second trip, which was scary. Mm. Yeah. I, I haven't even told anyone this because I haven't even been ready to say it to like my friends that did DMT with me. And we, afterwards we were telling each other our trips, but I left out that I think I saw hell, which is scary. Pat Benatar says hell is for children. I guess I'm a fucking child. I'm a huge baby <laughs> because I saw what I thought was like the entryway to hell. Whoa. I didn't go fully in, but I saw like it, and it was suffering. really scary. Yeah, I saw like just suffering and pain, and like I I don't know if it's like the traditional like hell in terms of like in the Bible or whatever, but I saw just like an area that you would never want to go. 
Yeah, well, whether or not hell exists, there's hell on earth. Like if you are carted off to a concentration camp and tortured, if you live in North Korea, if you live in China, if you're a Uyghur Muslim in China and your whole family gets thrown into a train and shipped off to some work camp and tortured and, you know, yeah. I mean, think of all the horrific things that happened during the Holocaust, all the horrific things that have happened in many genocides with, yes. the, with the fucking the Mongols did during the, the Wrath of the Khan. We have no concept of it. We have no idea. We have no idea. Imagine living during the time of Genghis Khan and you watch these people torture your whole family, cut cut the limbs off of your children and, and throw them at you and laugh and light your fucking building on fire. And they, they people throughout history have done horrendous things yeah. to other people. And the terrifying part is like, you don't even have to look to history to see it because a lot of it's happening right now. Like, so you've had, I don't want to butcher her name, but Yanmi Park. Yes. So I admit to have been completely ignorant about the realities of North Korea until I found her channel and I'll watch videos and the things that she'll describe in the experiences. It's like, I am the luckiest person on earth to simply have not been fucking born there. And you hear like her stories of like seeing like starving, deformed people on the streets and children eating rats and like just the craziest shit that there's no concept of from this bitch who was born in California and moved to Texas. Right. You think it's hard that you were in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck my like. And this is also one of the things that I've been really grateful for with my friendship with Michael Malice. I'm sure he loves how many times you've mentioned him on this podcast. He's becoming popular. I know he is. But he, um, one of the things I've been very thankful for is I never really had a real job before YouTube and the life I have now. So I don't really necessarily have a concept of like toiling and like maybe what life could be if I was like struggling really hard for money or whatever. And he is older than me and he tells me all the time, he's like, you need to be thankful for what you have because your life is literally phenomenal. Like the fact that you can just be you for a living and just Mm -hmm. talk to your friends for a living and like you don't have to worry about shit like that. It's like don't ever lose gratitude for that. And it's so true. It's pretty extraordinary. You think about all the different ways that people can make a living. The fact that you and I both, that we just kind of talk shit. With friends. That's the other thing. It's like when Michael came over, I was like, hey, you want to come over and just like talk shit for a video? And he's like, yeah. He came over. We just like laugh for an hour, got him an Uber home. And it's like that's what pays my fucking rent. I know. Like, it makes you feel, like, almost not guilty, but, like, what did I do to deserve this? I feel like that all the time. Yeah. Because all my jobs are like that. Stand-up comedy, when I do commentary for the UFC, all my jobs are just like, how the fuck did I get this job? How is this possible? Yeah. You know? I think it really is just, you don't want to contribute it completely to luck, but I think it's a lot of luck. A lot of luck. Like, 90% luck. Because especially, like, you probably know this living in L.A. for as long as you did. It's like, you just meet people that, it's like, this person is so much more talented than me. This person is so much smarter than me. Maybe prettier than me. And they cannot get ahead at all in life. And I'm like, this this person deserves it more than me. I don't know if it's 90% luck, but it's a high percentage. But there's also discipline. And that is one of the hardest things for people to come by. Mm-hmm. The, when people don't have it, it's so hard to fake. It's so hard to get yourself to do things. Yes. And I don't necessarily know why. You know, when I was a kid, I was not disciplined, but I was always obsessed. So I, was obs- I get obsessed with things. So like if, if they tell me I have to clean my room or they, ha- they tell me homework is due by the 12th, 
I I can't do it. I just can't do it. They tell me I have to be at work at the time. I can't do it. That's me too. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm just some fucking loser. I'm a loser, I guess. I'm just always going to be a loser. But then I found things, like for me it was martial arts and art. It was art a lot. It was drawing. And I was obsessed. And so I would draw all day. And I was really good at it. And it became a thing where I was like, I couldn't wait to get alone with a pad and a pen and start drawing. Hmm. So then I realized, I go, okay, okay. I'm not disciplined. But if I just find things that I love to do, then I am. Right. Because I'm not, it's not that I'm not disciplined. I'm just not disciplined to do things that I don't, don't enjoy about. doing. Yeah. 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 That's For what you have to find. What people have to find is a thing that they love to do and then do it as much as you can. Just go. But yeah. if you don't love to do it, don't do it. Do it if you have to to make a living and then find the thing that you love to do and do that. So as much as it is luck, it's also you have to have the mentality to push through and find the path and be able to deal with adversity. And yes. a lot of people can't. They encounter like a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of problems, and, and like, uh, too much, I'd rather get high. Too much, or I'll get drunk with my friends. Too much, I'll do pills and go to a concert. And that's what a lot of people do, and they wind up ruining the luck that they do have. Yeah, for me it was seeing all the wrong decisions made from the people around me when I was a child. Mm. So, um, like I said before, I was the only person in my immediate family to not be addicted to a substance. My brother was heavily involved with gangs, a lot of violence, um, a lot of really shady people in and out of my house all day long. My parents fought like nothing I'd ever seen. Like I'd, I'm surprised I have a healthy sense of relationships now because all I saw was like horrible fighting. Um, and there was cheating that happened between them and drugs and alcohol and bad decisions. And so I grew up just constantly surrounded by people doing the wrong things. Although my dad held a good job and took care of us money, but it was still a lot of bad shit. Um, and so I think I learned at an early age, like, okay, so this is the blueprint of not, what not to do. Like, so my brother, for example, it's like, how did you end up the one in jail and down and out and not taking care of your kids and whatever. And I'm the fucking tranny and I'm like the one that has my life together. How is that? We had the same opportunity to grow up in the same lifestyle. It's because I was a little younger than him and I saw him do everything wrong. Mm. So I was like, okay, so I'm not gonna do meth. I'm not gonna join a gang. Imagine me in a gang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, West Side Story. Right, but yeah. um, so I think that's important too. Sometimes you can just see, but then you think of how many kids are growing up in, in the inner cities and yeah. in bad communities and they can never make that connection that what you're seeing is the wrong thing to do. Yeah. So maybe it was the internet now that I'm thinking about it. I was able to kind of see people live other lives through MySpace and through the internet. I guarantee that had an effect. Yeah, because I've always yeah. been on the internet even before I did it for a living. What, what do you think led you to identify as a conservative? Well, I don't identify as a conservative. But you call yourself a conservative. No, no, no. I said people call me that. But you go to conservative things. And... Right. So I'm center right. I think that's the best way to describe okay. my ideology. Center um, right. I, to me, conservative entails like religion. When I think of like a conservative oh. Republican, I think of like someone whose ideology is reinforced by religious beliefs. And that's not me. But if you say center right to most people, they would say you're a conservative. Well, of course, but they also call me far right and say that you're associating with far right people that really aren't, you know what I yeah. mean? So labels are for the birds. For me, if anything, um, I think that there is just more of a sense on the right, usually towards individualism rather than collectivism. Yeah. And that's something that really spoke to me when I turned like 18, when I started realizing, well, if I'm gonna be trans, and I'm gonna 
figure out how to get the money to transition and live this very like specific life that's not going to be supported by many people around me, I'm going to have to be like a complete individual and be okay with that. Um, and really take my life into my own hands and manifest what I want to do and, and be a capitalist. It's not easy to transition. It's a lot of money. Mm. So that's those kind of always geared me towards the right, I guess. But, but again, I'm not a conservative in the traditional sense. I mean, how could I be? I mean, I guess I could be, but you could be one of those like self-loathing conservatives. It's possible. Like there's a lot of those pray the gay away people. That's so sad to me. That's the saddest shit ever. I've, I've met obviously people like that and and the funny part about my life is like because i've been in like so many rooms at these like conservative events it's like i had this like list of famous conservative commentators that have like tried to fuck you (laughs) and every time i'm drunk with michael malice i drop one more name and he's always like (laughs) yeah have you ever seen that video where there's a guy who has a bow tie on and he is talking to a preacher and uh he says i'm not gay no more I am delivered. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You that video? <laughs> yeah. I think that guy, whenever I think of the Pray the Gay Away, I think of that poor bastard. Because that guy is about as gay as a fucking guy could ever be gay. So Rob Milo went. Oh, uh, did he really, though? I mean, it's 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 He's for show, but He's at the same trolling. time, like... But this... Find that video. <laughs> I love that video. Because it's just... They all start dancing, and then they huddle like a gangbang. They all get on top of each other. They, like, smush... They all smush and they're like dancing together and huddling and feeling the Holy Spirit. See, I've never understood denying. No, that's not. Is this another one? Whoa, look at this one. They're both. <laughs> those are some bitches voguing. Probably that's that one. it. That's it for sure. Give me some volume. <laughs> Tell those people. Tell them. I'm not gay no more. I am delivered. He's got a big like yellow men. bow tie big on. Yellow I don't like fluffy. men. Women, 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 women. Look at women. I'm not gay. I would not date a man. I would not tear a purse. I would not put on makeup. I will. I will love a woman. A woman. Now watch this. He starts dancing. Look at this. Listen. What? Look at him. Y'all Look at him. God with him. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold just one minute. Now either you gonna believe this stuff, or you ought to stop preaching it. If you can't praise God with him, you're an unbeliever. <gasps> you're a non-believer. Not you're an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> this is nice. Look at this. Nice. They're all gonna dance together. Look at this. Listen, nobody does it better than black people know how to do churches. Oh, yeah, for sure. Their churches are so much more entertaining. I'm not even religious, and I've been to a few. It's fun. I grew up Catholic, and it's boring and scary. Oh, yeah. It's all boring and then just depressing and weird. Yeah. These people are having a good fucking time. Look at them dancing. They have music. They figured out how to connect it to good music. Well, also, gay people know how to party. Yeah. But everybody's Yeah, but they're all getting it. That yeah. guy's not buying it. Look at him. <laughs> he said, what the hell he are said, these boy, youngsters you up to? He is going to go right back to being gay. He's got a dick in his mouth next hour. I'm not buying this. I got a problem, though. Oh, he's got a problem. It still looks like he's alone. 
This is why he institutes the gangbang. The devil's not gonna leave him alone. The devil's not gonna leave him alone. Show enough believers. That's your next shirt. A bigly and show enough believers. That was a bigly, a bigness, a bigness, and show enough believers. See, now they got a gangbang going on. Look at them. They're all huddled. Oh, this is his dream. Look at these people dancing up. They're like bees when they try to smother one of them hornets that comes to kill the, the queen. They'll get on top of them and, and buzz until oh they die from God. the heat. Look at them. Hilarious. Dude. We get it. I've never understood like denying aspects of who you are. Like, because they think they could change it. They think I know. that if they pray hard enough, they can change it. And they hate the fact that they're not like everybody else. Yeah. For me, I've always liked the fact that I'm not like anybody else. I actually think that's like a strength, not a weakness. And also, like like I said before, everyone knew before I even told them I was going to transition because I've just always been such a faggot. But like, <laughs> that like um, when I was 13, I was in my small little town wearing like glitter heels and I had purple hair. That's hilarious. I was, I was literally de the depiction of the type of person who hates me now. I was like, I used to be you, so don't even tell me about myself. But why? I don't understand why they hate you. Like, why? Because your perspective. Because I don't agree with trans kids, like young underage people transitioning. But you, if uh, imagine if someone had come to you when you were seven or eight and said, "Hey, Blair, I think what's really going on is you're trans, and we can help you now, and it would greatly improve the way you feel." how feminine you are when you go through puberty because we're going to stop it and nip it in its bud. You'll be way more feminine. I don't think that that would have been good for me. I don't think that there's... When you're going through puberty, regardless, trans or not, it's such a confusing, insane time. I don't think it's necessarily the right thing to pump a bunch of hormones in a kid. And there's also no telltale foolproof way i mean we're speaking in hypotheticals like maybe if someone would have been psychic and known it and known i would have always been okay with it but what if i would have had some sort of like ideological shift halfway through and been like well maybe even though i think i'm trans maybe transition isn't the right way to deal with it there are people who, who believe that right like there are people who believe that you can absolutely be trans have gender dysphoria but that transitioning isn't the solution there's a lot of people that believe that you'll eventually just become a gay man Exactly. Yeah, and there's there's some evidence to that, but the problem with that evidence is like just the fact that trans people exist in the first place shows you that there's so much variety to how human beings are. There's there's yeah. the the variables are so extreme. Like there's a, a there's clearly some sort of a spectrum of people. And yeah. some people would be fine just being a gay man, but some people I don't think will. And I don't think Well, that's the thing is I think two things can be true at once and that's kind of like the problem with this whole issue is that I have met trans people who transitioned very I know a girl who transitioned when she was literally 12 I believe and her whole family hid from the school and the rest of her family they literally they didn't fake her death but they kind of just stopped talking about her existing and then she became a girl and they just had a daughter and no one ever talked about it <laughs> isn't that weird but she transitioned at 12 so her whole life and she's happy Did they move yeah they moved. Yes. So they moved to a new town. And they and had they a daughter said, in this daughter. new town. And oh, they hid works. it from everyone. And she only recently came out. And she's happy. She would not regret it at all. But then you also have these kids going online talking about this was a mistake. This was a horrible thing. This was a social contagion. Yeah. And especially being me because I've been publicly empathetic towards those people. And I'm one of the few trans people that is public online that talks about it. I get a lot of emails. So it's like I, c I can see my friends on an anecdotal level that like 
are happy with it and transition very very young but then i have like 10 emails from like today yeah but you're not going to get as many emails from the people that are happy as you are from the people that are unhappy right very true very true i guess just the issue is that there's no way to really know Right. That this person's not going to regret it. And at the end of the day, when you transition, you are taking away your ability to have kids. You are sterilizing yourself, at least male to female. Do you get Do you get love from the trans community or yeah. do you, you get some love? Do you get mostly love? I get a lot. Um, so I get a lot of love from trans people that there's just so many people in the trans community now that it's like there's so many different types of people. So the people who are on TikTok, maybe that think the extent of them being trans is that they're quirky and weird and have green hair and they're non-binary, demi boy, whatever. Those people don't like me. Demi boy? I don't know what it is. It's all all these one? phrases. So many but, new ones. But then there's trans people that transition. Think of Buck Angel. He and I are good friends. And if I go to like an LGBT club or bar here in Austin or LA or whatever, I can't really walk more than two feet without people showing love and gratitude and whatever so in real life people are nice to you oh yeah i've never had anyone be mean to me in, in real Isn't life that weird right like, those like so your perceptions are based on anonymous people that reach in, out to you to be shitty in fact this happened to me um a few months ago i was in west hollywood filming a video on the street and this person came up to me and was like i'm such a huge fan can I take a picture blah, blah, blah. took a picture edited the video, they made the video, and then I saw them posting, I'm in Blair's video, and I looked at their profile, and in their history, they have all these hateful tweets about me. I'm ah! like, I'm like, so even if you hate someone, it's like, you're still kind of their fan if you're paying attention to them, because people I hate, I don't watch their shit. Yeah. I don't want to see it. But it's also the idea of hating someone versus meeting them and realizing that they're just a person, yeah. and not really hating them, just meeting them and knowing, oh, it's just, just another human being. Like the idea yeah. of hating someone you don't know is really kind of crazy, unless yeah. you're hating Hitler. You know? Yeah, unless you know, they've you're done, like, you're hating, killed someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're hating a, some barbarian, some horrible person who's responsible for death or destruction or whatever. Like, you know, if you just hate someone based on something that you think you can attribute to them, like to you, the, the hate her because she's against kids transitioning. It's so easy to say you hate someone. It's so easy yeah. to just like lash out online. Yeah, that's a one of the major problems with our culture is that so many people don't know how to think, and so many people are. When I when I mean don't know how to think, like they don't recognize that a lot of times they're being negative. It's just to distract themselves from their own real problems. And it's often projection. Yes, that's why. Often. Like so, when Dave Chappelle thing happened and they had these protests, um, one of the trans activists, I believe her name was. Ashley Marie Preston or something like that. That's the one who had all the hateful tweets. Yeah. <laughs> so you're up on this little soapbox. Literally, uh, I think they brought a soapbox. Yes. And talking about being anti-hate and anti-trans hate and anti-bigotry. And then you have just this like huge list of like talking about Asian bitches and yes. this and that. And it's like, bitch, you are projecting and you are everything that you hate. Everything that you hate. Well, it's people are hypocrites and they want attention. And then, yeah. you know, the thing is, they think the way to get attention is if you are in a marginalized group and that group has been attacked and you can stand up and say the most forceful, loud thing about this person who is, in your opinion, attacked this marginalized group, it gives you clout. You know, there's a lot of people that just get clout from enhancing negativity and, and you know, and, and just projecting it. Yeah. And then, so you're friends with Dave Chappelle. Yeah. So did all the backlash affect him at all like mentally he's, or? he's not online 
in terms of like Dave is not on social media at all. He okay. doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, it's for the best. He, fuck yeah. He's. You know, it affects him in that it's not accurate. It's yeah. not who he really is. Like he's not a hateful person by any stretch of the imagination. So they're distorting who he is. But he gets it, and he he gets his position in pop culture and in, in culture in general. He's a spokesperson. He's not just a comic. He's like, a, you know, every generation has someone who people go to not just for their humor, but also for their perspective on things mm -hmm. and a, a wise perspective. That's Dave. Yeah. He's probably the most respected comedian of our era mm -hmm. not just one of the greats of all time but one of the most respected in terms of the way he talks about things he's number one really yeah he's very thoughtful he's very intelligent and you know he's just almost universally respected amongst comedians which is very rare because comedians are some fucking jealous backstabbing Selfish bitches. I bet. Yeah, there's a lot. Of Such them. a hard industry to rise up, and I'm sure it's just so toxic. Well, it's also the ones that suck, are the most bitter, right? And the most shit. And the, the, but it's again the same thing. It's like so many of them, they really have mediocre work, and they don't like the fact that it's not being recognized and respected. That people don't come out to see them in the clubs, and you they can't think, see it that way. Well, they don't see it because they think they're great because they're they're narcissists, right? And so their perspective is anybody that gets way further than them, first of all, they feel bad when they find out that, you know, Kevin Hart's selling out 50,000 seats or that this person's doing that or, you know, exactly. Sebastian sold out Madison Square Garden four nights in a row and they're just like, huh, huh, huh. and it's unattainable. It's not going to happen to you. It's literally not going to happen. You're 43 years old. Your life is shit. You know, you, you could barely sell a Thursday night at the Funny Bone in Cleveland. Like, what are you going to do? What the fuck are you going to do? And that feeling is terrible. Does Cleveland even have a funny bone? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Columbus. Hilarities. Yeah. And it's then. Not funny bone. No, no, no. Yeah. Cleveland yeah. hilarities. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. My point is, they get angry. And so they start coming up with reasons why that person sucks. They suck. They fucking always suck. Transphobic, fuck him. hateful. Transphobic, fucking homophobic, racist, uh, insensitive to xenophobic and uh, Islamophobic. And the, that, but what the, what's really going on is there's a feeling that they get when they see other people succeed that makes them feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So they associate that person with a bad feeling and they hate that person. What they really hate is their own lack of success. 100%. That's a lot of it. And then, For comics at least. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of people, but, and then the thing about Chappelle is like, at this point, the special's been out long enough. I don't feel like we're spoiling anything, but the special to me in large part was about his trans friend, Daphne, who I believe was literally killed by trans activists. Yeah. There's some, <clears throat> there's some dispute about that. Um, there's some, there's some people that have done, it's really interesting. I love the internet because of this. There's some people that have done a deep dive into like how many tweets were actually directed towards Daphne and like how many of them were really negative. The thing they don't take into account though is DMs. And yes. that's the thing. Well, it's, it's like we don't know what her DMs were. It's DMs and also it's it only takes one thing to be said that triggers an unhealthy person or a sad person or someone in the ba in the bad place to do something bad. Yeah. So it's impossible to look into her mind and heart in that time and say that it was that. However, I don't think it helps. I think that the feeling of ostracization from your own community to be a trans person who is suddenly like 
shit, now how do I even face any of my probably mostly LGBT friends? Most LGBT people have, that's their friend group. Um, like, how do I go to these establishments that are LGBT now? How do I maybe do, uh, she wanted to be a comedian, do a comedy show to LGBT people. Those are probably the places that were booking her if she was booking things. Um, I think that could really affect someone. Yeah. Yeah, being ostracized by a community is rough. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of the worst feelings. And, like, for me, I just think that people really missed the point of the special, obviously. Like, they didn't look into it, really. Just because he was defending his friend through most of it and talking about kind of how they killed her. So that's his perspective. Maybe it didn't happen. But... It's tragic. I mean, it, may, it might have happened. It's just yeah. the, the the deep dive they did was that she was dragged on Twitter, and they tried to find examples. But the thing about that is, again, people do delete things, and then particularly they delete things right after someone fucking kills themselves. That's true. But there's also like sub tweets, like whether or not she responded to those tweets. Mm-hmm. She might not have. She might have just read them. And then, but then the other thing is the DMs. The DMs are it's like you don't you don't know you don't know how many DMs she got. Yeah, and those are the ones where people send the most crazy yeah. shit because they're not regulated in the same way that tweets and it's are. also you got to realize like when someone's saying something in a bit like he's just trying to get to the point the point was she experienced hate whether she experienced it in person phone calls dms or publicly on twitter i don't know what it was but sometimes it's easier to say dragged on twitter and then it looked and you're trying to get to a narrative and the narrative is they they made her feel like shit and she killed herself right and it's not a narrative without precedent towards people who do step away from sort of like the woke mob and ideology because do you remember august ames she was a porn star who took a stand and said that she didn't want to work with gay men because there was like a risk of hiv or whatever so whether or not that's valid i think that porn industry probably has great testing i don't know if that was a real fear she should have had but at the same time um because she said that she was dragged horrifically by like the LGBT community and like she fucking killed herself over that. It was really sad. I remember that. Yeah, it happened I think like 2014, 15 Mm. or something like that. So, I mean, it is hard to, and obviously I know that, just like diverge from from that ideology and you get a lot of fucking hate for it. Yeah, that's unfortunate, you know, because you would think that the people that have experienced the most discrimination would theoretically at least be the most open-minded and compassionate to others no it's the exact opposite the places where i feel the most comfortable rooms i feel the most comfortable in are the rooms people would never expect me to be able to be in and feel comfortable Hmm. like i mean let's just if, if you go there's a difference between the narrative of a person who they really are so you have been called transphobic like you said alex jones transphobic tim pool transphobic michael malice probably not michael but um should I, on paper, we keep going back to on paper, have felt comfortable in the RV talking to y'all and like being in that room? Maybe not. If I believed all the things that trans activists said, I would have maybe felt like I was in a room full of fucking dudes who were going to beat me up or something. That was such a clusterfuck of a podcast. I know. There's way too many microphones on. I know. Eight people trying to talk over each other. And it's like, it, it was, was iconic so though. Much. It was funny. It was funny. Yeah. yeah. It freaked a lot. People got mad. Like, oh, what are they doing together? I know. And you know what they really hated? How many people were watching? Yeah. Cause it, was fucking... it was like his most viewed episode ever. <laughs> it was like, and and the, the funny part is like, you're achieving those types of numbers. I think that episode has like over 2 million, 2 million views or something. And it's like, to achieve those numbers and it's like, all it was was just like, 
an RV. Yeah. Just like, hey, come over. Okay. Well, his what he's doing, I always thought about doing, but he did it, and he did it perfectly. He put together a roving studio. Mm-hmm. Like, his studio is awesome. I mean, it really is fucking badass. Yeah. He's got an RV that's got microphones and desks, and he's got, like, a control center, and there's a big television so they could show videos and clips on it. I'm like, this is amazing. Jamie and I... I've talked about doing that like a dozen times. That'd like be awesome. Outfitting a dope sprinter van and you know setting it up like that. Yeah, I would. Ne- I learned for that part, and you can't have fucking eight people on a microphone. That was just stupid. It was funny. People were like, "Why weren't you talking so much?" I was like, "I'm okay with being out testosterone by fucking Alex Jones and Joe Rogan and Tim Pool. Like, I'm okay with not being the loudest bitch in the room in that room." Well, everybody was just. It was just there were so many voices. It's too many. It doesn't it doesn't work? Like, and I say that when I do podcasts to people. Like, if I t- want to talk to someone and it's, it's a fun conversation and they want to bring a friend that I know, I'm like, yeah, it'll be fun. Well, the three of us will be a good time. But even three people yeah, is that's tricky. even rare for you. Well, it's it's rare. It's also hard because when I'm talking to someone, I want to let them talk, and then I'm also trying to think of like. Should I talk? Should I let it play out? What I have a question. Should I enter now? And it's like a skill. There's a dance that you're doing when two people are talking. When there's a third person there, you got like three then you have to... dance partners all on the road stepping on each other's toes. It's more tricky. With four people, it's super tricky. And then when you yeah. get to double that, it's chaos. Yeah. It's just madness yeah it, it was iconic regardless though and i really like what tim pool has been doing lately um it, and of course that shows that he's getting more hate than ever like more hit pieces and whatever and yeah it is what it is those people work for him whether they realize it or not all they do is oh, make yeah. more people aware of it it's cyclical right yeah. it's like and it's something i've been aware of everything that i've done the past few years is like so i do something and then a bunch of people get mad about it, and so they post about it. Yeah. Because people want to post about shit they hate more than what they love. And it's like, okay, so let's say there's a tweet bashing me with, I don't know, let's say 10,000 likes. So maybe those 10,000 people are agreeing with that. and then, But how many people are viewing it with impressions? And then even if it's like 1,000 people that are like, actually, she seems cool, that's 1,000 new people coming my way. You do exactly. work for me if you're bashing me. Exactly. The best thing you could ever do to someone you hate online, if you hate me, well, maybe not maybe not tell them to do that, but just don't fucking talk about me, bitch. It's, people don't understand that it's like you're, most of the time you're wasting your time. And also, if your business is just to, to bash a person, like you are, you're connecting yourself as a subservient. You're, you're connecting yourself as yes. inferior to this person, yeah. whether you realize it or not. If you're constantly criticizing them, they don't even respond about you, you're their bitch. I love not responding. Yeah. I love it. Like every day I'm getting a new wave of DMs like, did you see what such and such said about you? And I'm like, nope. Nope. And I really couldn't give a fuck. I really couldn't care. Good for you. It's a good attitude. Yeah, but I had to get there. Yeah. It took me some time, and it took me in the beginning, like, I would read everything. Yeah. And I would take everything in. And I would also start to believe the nice comments that I also think is toxic. And if someone made a video about me, I'm watching every minute of it. I'm internalizing it. I'm figuring out what I did wrong, if I did anything wrong, and a way to retaliate. And that used to be me. And now I'm like... I don't give a fuck. The people that do that all day and go back and forth and make response videos and attack videos, they're all mentally fucked. 100%. Yeah, they're all living in this weird world of emotions and anxiety and like, you're, the real world is the people that you actually know. 
yeah is like life going out there and go go to dinner somewhere have Dude, fun i did go exercise i did a dr phil episode i filmed it hey. in august <laughs> blair tell me what it's like yeah yeah very that tell me about your life his wife was lovely though he's great he's great i love, I love him. him he's so I'm nice. he really made me cry. good friends with his son oh really yeah we're tight that's awesome yeah we go on like vacations with our families together cool yeah, yeah. he he made me cry on stage oh uh what did but he say he the whole episode was about my dad's side of the family which have disowned me for being trans and so he was trying to like reunite shit and he just said some really nice stuff that made me cry. Um, He's a sweet guy. He is. He really is a good. He really is. I know him off, like, what I did a podcast with him, but yeah, I know him on. off the podcast. He's fucking great. Mm -hmm. He's, He's great. Awesome. His wife's great. His family's great. They're, like, they're really sweet people. Like, yes. genuine, sweet, not not putting on a show. His wife's name is. We don't have to say his wife's name. Blow her spot up. She's on the show all the time, though. Oh. Yeah. But regardless, his wife is very lovely. And I was walking off stage. I was still kind of, like, emotional. And she just grabbed my hand. And Aww. she was like, you're going to be okay. I was like, oh, my God. But, but what I was saying was I did the Dr. Phil episode. And there was, like, this YouTuber. I didn't watch the video. But I saw, like, a thumbnail come up and recommended it. It was, like, Blair White's doing the Dr. Phil show. And I'm terrified. And it was, like, a fucking hour-long video, however long it was. I don't remember. <laughs> about how it was so bad, probably, that Dr. Phil's going to deplatform me. I'm sure that's what it was. Uh... And I was like, how are you? so concerned how are you so concerned they might not even be they might just be using your name to get clicks well 100 percent. but well then why are you such a fake ass bitch that you're faking that you're concerned because that's all they got exactly there you go exactly and so i've learned note. to ignore it <laughs> i've learned to ignore it good for you yeah good for you well listen blair this was a fun conversation we just talked for three fucking hours really yeah it felt like one i know just flew by I was a little worried about that because I saw how long all your episodes were. I was like, I don't think I've done a, like a two and a half or three hour one. Now you did. Now I did. Now you did. I appreciate it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Was it. Great. I enjoyed it. Um, tell everybody where they can see you, where they could find you on social media, where they can make a hate video about you. Right. So <laughs> um, you can reach me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Blair White X. There's an E at the end of Blair. Don't forget that. Twitter, Instagram, just look up my name. Um, I don't know. You want to send me a carrier pigeon, a smoke signal? You'll find me. Just Google me. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.